0: Hey, hello and welcome to the March 10th, 2012 episode of the Boy Howdy podcast. Uh, this is Bill Mudren, I'm here. Uh, Annie Maloney is not here, she's home playing Mass Effect right now as we speak. Uh, she There was no way I was going to be able to drag her into the recording booth, recording basement more like it, with uh, unfinished Mo, uh, Mass Effect 3 to play. So in her stead we've got uh, Dylan McConus. Yay! Yay! Of uh, com.
1: You may know me from my disparaging <laughs> comments about Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, Dylan is a friend of the podcast, has been on the podcast. Yeah, you were on the Doctor Who episode and the Star Trek episode.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yep. Where we both just slammed the two things we love endlessly over and over again. No. Oh, this a could smiley. have been another Star Trek podcast. This gentle roughhouse. The Star Trek podcast still blows my mind because I was listening to that again and we really didn't spend that much time talking about the show. We talked about characters we loved and hated. We really didn't talk about the show itself.
1: We were just kind of like, yeah, Garrick's awesome. You know, it's hard to talk about Star Trek. It's like. It's like, it's hard, to, uh, this is a line I'm stealing from Neil Gaiman, it's hard to see London if you're standing in Trafalgar Square.
0: Yeah. I think
1: that Star Trek has just been such an immersive thing for, for yeah. those of us who've grown up with it, that it's hard to talk about the thing as a whole phenomenon. It's hard to
0: stand back and kind of look at the whole no, thing. No, because you're just talking about, you're
1: talking about your pretend friends. Although we did not get that much bad feedback
0: about us slamming Star Trek as much as we're still getting a little pe- uh, people complaining about it. In little ways about, hey, you don't
1: like Doctor Who. Oh, Doctor, Doctor Who is like the new kid on the playground with the thick glasses.
0: And... Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Dylan McConus is here. She's here to talk about her webcomic, Family Man. Uh, this is a proper introduction of Dylan to the podcast audience. We, we Like, I'm always mentioning you on the podcast, too. Oh, Dylan, last week, she once farted a cloud in the shape of a heart, blah,
1: blah, blah. That has you know? never happened.
0: Well, but, uh, so,
1: Yes! Well, I was I didn't want to do this initially because Yeah, <laughs>
0: we're originally we were gonna talk about our, our our artistic influences. And we're
1: still going to. But Bill kept trying to stronger me into talking about well, my comic and I was like, But I Bill don't know,
0: I have not published that much in the way of comics online or anything like that to really I I would feel uncomfortable talking about my artistic influences when I've not created that much in the way bit. of narrative fiction let's but put you it make that way. art i draw art but then i'll like what is to say i like uh that that, that one guy draws good i like i, I kind of draw like him there's not uh-huh. much to say about it. Whereas if you're talking about, like, I created a story, and mm. this part of the story was influenced by that, and I got the idea for this part of a story over here from, like,
1: yes. I was
0: once in Russia being chased by the the Nazis or something so like that. So basically,
1: Bill's capacity for self-erasure outpaced my own. Yeah! And- no! And all- and- talk to me in ten years
0: from now when i finished and <laughs> Frank Conquers the Moon Nazis, or uh, my pan-comic. <laughs> Then we could talk about influences for Bill Mudger you in know terms what, of storytelling and comics. What right? finally
1: pushed me over the edge to accepting the topic, though, yeah. was I realized everybody's playing Mass Effect 3 this week. Yeah, The only people who are listening this week are the people who aren't playing Mass Effect 3. And statistically, this is a good they're time to... less likely to be annoyed by this. Yeah,
0: this is a good time to sneak in a, a non-gaming podcast for us. Yes. Which is funny because the Boy Howdy podcast is supposed to be a uh, catch-all podcast. But we still do end up spending two-thirds of the time talking about video games. I feel bad for everybody who does not play games, who tries to listen to the
1: podcast. Video games are inherently engaging, though. Yeah, well... That's part of what makes them so so fun, right? Man,
0: me and Annie should not be talking about games now, because this is kind of the slow time of the year for video games, but, you know, because towards the end of the year we're going to be talking about nothing but games, because that's like, you know, after... September—it's nothing but all the games. We yeah, have Mass Effect's coming out. There's been all kinds of announcements for like Assassin's Creed Three. Uh, anyway, it's been a good time to be a gamer in the last couple. Man, next week we are, we are uh, Annie is coming back. and We are gonna have our big Mass Effect Three spoiler cast. I'm actually about—I think I'm about halfway through the game. Annie, God, no, she'll probably end up beating that game today. But then we'll... She'll
1: play it again. Yeah. She'll yeah.
0: (laughs) This time next week when we record, she'll probably be in it two or three times. She's
1: gonna hear all the dialogue trees. (sighs) Well,
0: that's the best thing about Mass Effect. There's so many (laughs) different characters that you can play it a couple different times. Like, any one of those games, you can play three different times and have kind of, like, different story with entirely different conversations and with different people and stuff. So, yeah, there there is, like, two or three games worth of content packed into any one of those games. And then there's three games... And so, if you want to play all three games in three, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. That's a
1: so. hell of a narrative feat, and I, I really respect <laughs> and admire that. Like, Mass Effect is one of the first games that makes me wish I were a gamer, yeah. that I had the time, money, and the um, years of Twitch reflex training. Well,
0: especially with <laughs> Mass Effect 3, they have this new special mode where it kind of like, uh, biffs. The combat enough so nice. you can kind of go through the combat without really having to play that much like, don't get me wrong so it's all na- it's mostly narrative focus i
1: love shooting things i love oh, games no. of skill but uh my patience for failure is uh, much smaller than... yeah
0: they've set it up so the special mode that you can pretty much uh breeze through the combat and you're not gonna die
1: because mm. co- it's
0: just there to show you how uh, much of a badass are you, you are then yeah, then it's off to the there
1: i look course. forward to there being a mom mode in more video games yeah it's That's my point thing. yeah I should lend you my Xbox, my copy of Mass Effect Three,
0: sometime. If you get, if you ever get like in an accident and you can't use your like hands to draw, I don't know. Well, with the Connect, it, it uses the Connect sensor, so you can play Mass Effect Three. Next time using I, your hands.
1: next time I have the flu or like knee surgery. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, There we go. Uh so yeah, so Dylan's gonna be talking about family man in a bit.
1: Uh so yeah, how was how was your week? Had a good this week. Is, yeah. It was sunny here in Portland. So, man, yeah, today everybody kept being randomly optimistic. And... Man, it
0: is Friday. We, this pod, well no, this podcast will actually go up uh, later on today rather than Saturday. But it is like the first day of spring outside here yeah. in Portland. There's flowers, man. Man, flowers. It's like 60 degrees. Everyone, all the restaurants are filled. All the open, like outdoor parts of the restaurants are just filled with people eating and stuff. And, yep. uh Of uh, course, in Portland, people start wearing shorts in like mid-February
1: because they get excited. Yeah,
0: people get to try to jump the gun a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's. Really it is weather. all a cruel
1: joke. Yeah, it cause... will start shitting icy rain on us again we, shortly. It, it
0: could snow next week. You never know in Portland. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's it's super beautiful. Oh, well, fuck the weather. What else? What, what, what happened to you
1: this week? <laughs> That's not the world's most exciting.
0: Topic. Fuck that shit. Well, people are gonna have a lot of context because you're not on the podcast all the time. Right. So they are not as invested in your story of I life well, as I they are uh... with Annie's. But
1: I spent most of the week uh, working away at Periscope Studio. What is your job? My job is I am a freelance cartoonist, which means I, you know, write words and draw pictures mm-hmm. in some combination uh, and make money off of it or try to valiantly. How do you make
0: money? Like, what, what's your biggest money making thing?
1: Uh, f- freelance engagements with companies. Yeah. Honestly, I do a lot of infographics and information. Consulting. Yeah, you just got shot down.
0: You were about to do something for Nike or something like that. That didn't work out. But you've 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 worked for like oil companies and shit. Because you've been flown out to Alaska. <laughs> yes. Was that for an oil company?
1: Yeah, I did work for BP. Yeah uh-huh dylan's gone on my Art proudest adventures. moment <laughs>
0: i get stuck in this basement drawing nintendo stuff all day yeah. but then yeah uh but dylan gets sent I, out i to... i
1: made up for bp by also working for the bill, oh, and, Mel- bill and melinda gates foundation <gasps> i forgot you so. worked for bp yep
0: oh but that was before the oil spill that's not your fault
1: uh, what yeah what did you do for
0: bill gates foundation
1: uh i did a thing for their water program did it work out mm-hmm it was a really great gig oh huh. I got to draw this whole panoply of a of an uh, what kind Af- of water African program? village? Uh, oh, you mean for oh, like like for nice stuff, not just mm, for, yeah like for for building infrastructure in in African nations to help folks be self sustaining.
0: Yeah, see, Dylan's all about like she she knows how to draw stuff for companies but mm-hmm. you don't draw, the, like, the silly shit that I draw, where it's like, ah, Doctor Who. No, I'm... I'm Dr. Seuss. I'm, I'm, I'm bro, bro.
1: doing a job for the county library here to talk about uh, taxation code and how it's going to affect library funding. So my poor studio... Fascinating my, stuff. My, how, well, but it's my job to make it fun and accessible, so I've been driving my poor studio mates crazy by being like, did you know that the maximum assessed value of your home is different from the real <laughs> market value? It's,
0: it's funny, because you got to, like, wrap up all this kind of, like, abstract financial information and present it in a comics format to people who are going to be voting on this
1: stuff i'm really good at learning shit fast and then turning it into something entertaining yeah
0: so that's your job that that is
1: what that's what i make most of my money off of i also make a lot of money off of selling my own books at conventions off of doing commissions off of selling merchandise so are you taking commissions now uh, to a limited extent, I've got a little bit of a backlog. And if people
0: wanted to get you to do draw a commission or something, they would just email you through the website, yeah, DylanMcConus.com com or whatever. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: but I'm I'm a little behind schedule, so. Oh yeah, you've got a lot of work. Well,
0: we also in uh, Stumptown every April has the Stumptown Comics Fest. Which is happening in just a little over a month from now. Yep. About a month and
1: I'm going ahead. to the Emerald City Comic Con. Oh, that's to... right. Is that at
0: the end... Emerald City's at the end of March? It's at the
1: end of March. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a super fun show.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it is, you know, one of the few conventions where Leonard Nimoy can be a guest uh, and I can also make money. Yeah, you can hang out
0: with like the Battlestar Galactica people.
1: <laughs> yeah, because there are a lot of there are a lot of conventions where there are a lot of big media guests and video game companies, and if you're an independent comic book creator, you kind of get shoved into a corner and ignored. But the Emerald City yeah. Comic Con in Seattle is wonderful because it takes still about comics. It's it takes not just really about... good care of all the people who are there, not just you know William Shatner. God yeah. bless him.
0: But uh, yeah, so this this time of the year is a great time to be a comics artist in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's lots of shit going on. But then, yeah, then then there is the Out st- uh, Comics Fest, which happens after that, which is a little more of an arts and craftsy kind of, a little more granola e arts indie. festival. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, no, it's, it's uh... more about zines and self published stuff than it is like. The, although they like they had like Jeff Smith who drew Bone. This year they've got like Stan Sakai and some people, so yes. they do get some big names. But it's, it's an little, indie it's, comics yeah, show. It's still an indie. Yeah,
1: it's very it's very book and art focused. So yeah. there there will not be any uh, any actors. The biggest <laughs> as comics guests. presence there is
0: more Dark Horse than it is like Marvel or DC. Mm-hmm. Like and Dark it. Horse, you're, you're more likely to get Mike Mignola or uh, yeah. who's the guy who writes uh, Spider Man now. Not Brian Blessed. Michael Brian Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis, yeah. Yes, He'll be, he might, you know, yeah. I would like to see what Brian, Brian Blessed would do with,
1: with Spider-Man. Brian Blessed!
0: What was he Because I get confused. I get Brian Blessed confused with Oliver Reed, and Oliver Reed's dead. <laughs> I get all my big burly British guys with beards confused.
1: was <laughs> Brian Blessed, like, Friar Tuck in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood? Uh, you'd have to ask Annie. Why
0: am I talking about this? Yeah, where's Annie? Where's Annie when you need her? Uh, so yeah, no, Dylan's here. Yeah, so yeah, so you just worked nothing, no crazy stories this week, but adventures with BP or adventures with uh, the Multnomah County Library department or anything.
1: No, I got to do a lot of my own drawing this week. Too. Oh yeah, That's well nice. Dylan
0: also she works at the Periscope Studio, which is a mm-hmm. comics studio downtown Portland,
1: Oregon. It's a group of about two dozen freelancers. We all hang out in an office suite and share equipment and tell horrible jokes generally while somebody is trying to eat lunch. It's a little bit like the Goonies down there. It's a little bit like kind of a
0: geek <laughs> clubhouse. Well, like uh I should post photos from the studio, but it's like this Comic book studio. What? It's not like you guys are working for a company. You're all freelancers. Happen mm-hmm. to be working at a studio together. Yeah, we share Although the rent. You we share guys, jobs. Yeah, you guys will like collaborate on some mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, but there, it's it's all filled with art tables and toys and models and weaponry yeah. and all. It's 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 a really crazy great
1: little collective. It's its own little community. It's not just hey, let's split the rent. Yeah. Um, there's almost always somebody there. If a big job comes in, we'll share it. It's really uh, it's really amazing. I'm yeah. super lucky to be part of it. Um,
0: some of the bigger names working down there are like Steve Lieber, who drew mm-hmm. Whiteout, and uh, Jeff Parker, who mm-hmm. writes for a bunch of Marvel books. Isn't he writing for the X-Men right now? I
1: uh, don't know. I uh, Ron games.
0: Randall... Colleen a Hoover. bunch of people, Colin yeah, of yeah. and I
1: like it because there's a wide range of um, ages and where people work in the comics industry. So yeah. we have some folks who, yeah, who are drawing Spider-Man, and then you have folks like me who are drawing nerdy historical fiction. Um, so it's really there's, I, I, it's just very diverse, and I really love that. I was looking at something. Was it Carl Kiesel? Somebody
0: down there has credit with creating some kind of big comics thing that I was just reading about the other day. Is a co- listed as a co-creator for like. Was it, like, well, Hel- not Hellboy or something like that, but...
1: Well, Carl worked on Death of Superman.
0: Oh, that's what I was
1: thinking of! Yeah. Oh,
0: well, it was because the big Death of Superman video, viral video went around a couple weeks ago where they were making fun of the Death of Superman. Yeah. And I was like, I Googled that, and I was like, oh, I know that name. Oh, it's Watson's he works out the studio!
1: I had... He's partly responsible for the Death of Superman. I had a little moment where, uh... I had read Death of Superman in, fifth, this in fifth grade. Yes, yeah. And I read Death of Superman in fifth grade because my classmate Jay had a copy of the trade paperback collection, uh-huh. which I tried to um, sneak into my backpack to take home, but he totally caught me, and that was really embarrassing. Uh, the thief? Uh, hey, it was a comic book, man. None is known as being the
0: kind of the most stand up. Uh, righteous people among us. So, if anytime Dylan is caught like doing any kind of like uh, shady shit, we all crack up and laugh.
1: I have so. poor boundaries, so I'm willing to admit. It. But no, so yeah. I tried to take Jay's comic book home, but I read it and it blew my mind. I was like, wow, Superman is gone. I like never read a Superman comic before, but still, I felt yeah. the impact. And then just a couple of years ago, uh, Carl had a barbecue that was hosted at his house. And I'm walking through the living room looking at his lovely art. He and his wife just have a beautiful home full of all sorts of cool stuff. And I sort of looked around for a moment, and there was a page from Death of Superman... And I just high five ten 10 10-year-old me. It's just one of those moments where you're like, yes! If I had told myself that I'd be studio mates with Carl (laughs) Keisel, I would have flipped! Well, one of the uh, cool
0: things about Periscope, too... I don't know, this suddenly turned into the Periscope studio podcast. But one of the cool things about Periscope is, like, whenever big comics' names tend to blow through town, they tend to stop by the the studio and stuff, too. Especially when there's a convention in town or up at Emerald City. Like, yeah, no, it's a good place to... uh, suddenly bump into someone who was well, one of the actresses from Fringe was hanging down
1: there. Yeah, ago, uh, like Jessica, N- Jessica Nicole, who plays Astrid. She's uh, I've never
0: seen the show, but she's hot.
1: She's a comic book artist. Oh so. God, I'm
0: doing the Annie thing where I'm I'm just I'm, I'm 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 valuing someone a lady's looks on just how she looks. I should not do that.
1: Mm-hmm. She is
0: a lovely lady. I've never met her. I've never actually seen Fringe, but she seemed like a nice lady. Everyone was raving about. All how right, nice you're she gonna was.
1: stop talking about this now. I'm Understand. Astrid, I want
0: to watch the show now and, and wait for every time Astrid shows up, because supposedly she's a nice lady, the, the lady who plays Astrid. Yes. Isn't that, that's not the black lady? Yeah. Oh, man, the lady, I just, we just had lunch right before the podcast, and I went to go get Mexican, uh, and the lady who uh, served me, she just looked like my Commander Shepard from Mass Factory. No. She was a light-skinned black lady with short cropped hair. Yeah, she's
1: one of the co-owners of that place. Yeah?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that place is run by uh, the lesbians.
1: Yep. Oh, okay,
0: because mm-hmm. they, they have uh, lesbian nights throughout the week. I'm just saying you go there on a Thursday night, it's just like it is, ladies, just... it is
1: ladies' night at Dingo's. <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna make a fish taco joke, but I'm gonna make a fish taco joke. Yeah, you just did. Um, yes. Oh so yeah, know. no, so that's Dylan McConus. Yeah, nothing crazy happened this week. No. What happened with me? Uh I finished Game of Thrones audiobook. Yeah. Man, the audiobook for ah, this was. That took you a crazy. while. Uh, well, they're long. It's like one of the audiobooks is like 40 hours because those books are fucking huge. And, uh, but it drives me nuts because the guy who uh, narrates those audiobooks is really good. It's this guy named uh, Roy Dotrice, And uh, he does all the voices. Like, it's not that he's just like, blah, 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 Ned Stark.
1: No, he has different he inflections sort of... for everybody. Yeah,
0: he's a little bit like the guy who narrates the English, the or the, the American versions of the Harry Potter novels. Uh, Audiobooks. Because does mm-hmm. Stephen Fry do that in England for the Harry yeah. Potter books? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a different guy who does that in the states, and he does like he does the voice for he Hermione. A really, really in like, oh, it,
1: yeah. His Hermione, <laughs> Harry. Well, it she's like kind of written like that. I know, but she sounds like a donkey. But so
0: anyway, yeah. This Warner Tree <laughs> guy, he does the same thing for uh, Game of Thrones, which. Like Harry Potter, it's it's kind of divisive as to whether or not that that's cool or bad or not. Right. But I really like it because he like any one of those books, there's like literally hundreds of speaking voices. So he ends up giving most of the characters like their own different like little voices and stuff. And that's it's nice. pretty cool. And he's a, he's actually acting. It's like listening to a one man show. It's very cool. Except for most of the major characters, he reads straight mm-hmm. because like any of the point of view because you know, Game of Thrones, the books are written from kind of not quite a first person's perspective. But
1: fixed third person. Yeah,
0: each chapter is uh, f- focused on one person, and you're not going to see anything that that person doesn't see. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, second person.
1: No, that would be you.
0: Oh, really?
1: Third person is Daenerys looked down the hallway.
0: Who wants to write a book but you? Look down the hallway.
1: Uh people have done it.
0: Oh, that sounds stupid. Hmm. Ugh. Anyway, so uh, yeah, but the the audiobook is really uh, really good. And I finally finished it. It only took me nine months. Wow.
1: Well, I've been like, I've do you been... feel bereft now? it's really good no actually the audiobook it's listen to the audiobook but do you regardless. do you feel sad and lonely now that it's over
0: I downloaded the second book
1: <laughs> Oh, that's right I, it's it's there... there's there's
0: gonna be 18 of these books I this is just you're gonna be collecting step.
1: social security by the time well you're no I'm glad
0: I also finished the book right before I, i've I've started the uh, audiobook for the second book right before the the second season of the Game of Thrones starts but uh no it's um It's interesting, like, finishing the the, the book of Game of Thrones. It's almost exactly like the TV show. The TV show is really great. But it actually makes me appreciate the TV show more about, like, how they were able to compress all that information. Just ten one-hour episodes. What they threw out. And, uh... It's... it's, 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 I was really impressed because how much of the the book they squeezed into the show. Because there's lots of conversations that are taken wholesale from the books that end up in the show. Like, um...
1: all the, listen m- the, the mustache twirling. Yeah, the mustache listen the audiobook twirling just felt
0: like, like eh, it was just like, yeah, just a fleshed out version of the TV show, which is really good.
1: I've only seen the show, but there there's a set of scenes where uh, this scheming eunuch and this scheming social climber, basically, whenever they run across Varys each other. and Littlefinger, yeah. Yeah, they basically, their conversation, they both speak like that's this. Th- that's one of the best parts of the shimu, Game shimu, shimu, show. Shimu. Yeah. Yeah. Like, perhaps, oh. perhaps you would be interested in this. Oh, perhaps I would be. And it's, t- oh. it's like... Oh, I see your balls in the jaw over there. Aren't they cold? Did you give them a hug? Seriously, blah, 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 it's like no. Snidely Whiplash <laughs> making kissy faces at himself in the mirror. It's yeah, very it's weird. Great. I
0: hope those characters end up becoming like, an, like... I hope they just don't fade away into the background of the show as uh, the show keeps on go- and going on. But yeah, no, it's Game of Thrones. The book is actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, there's still rape and weird shit in the books, but I don't know what are you going to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's Game of Thrones. Um, oh, I got to see a sneak preview of John Carter of Mars on Monday. Mike Russell. It's just
1: John Carter, by the way. Disney cut the. Oh, Mars.
0: not according to the end credits of John Carter. Of Mars. It, wow. with, the opening title is John Carter, but when the end of credits roll up, it says John Carter, and then there's beat, and suddenly, of Mars kind of seeps into the paper. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, bum bum, bum. Um, that, that movie's cute. That movie's gonna bomb. I feel bad for Andrew Stanton, the guy who directed that.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was... <sighs> it was a grand folly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really
0: pretty, but, like, it's... Uh, I feel bad because... John Carter looks like it's ripping off Avatar and Star Wars and all this other stuff. But it's
1: the opposite. It's the opposite. It's just no one's
0: really made a big uh, budget movie of this until now. And so it just... The trailers do look terrible. And calling it just John Carter... It does sound like it's... Nobody knows
1: what it's about. It
0: does sound like it's a movie about like a, a crippled, homeless World War II veteran or something like that, or a Vietnam veteran.
1: Everybody like, brings to it what John
0: Carter. And like even the like, for the posters, the font, it's just a big, really bland font that just says John Carter with a little silhouette of a guy walking in a red desert. And you're like, mm. what the fuck is that supposed to be? But the movie's it's, it's actually really cute. It's kind of like an old 80s movie, like Kroll or something like that, where... Um, it's
1: only infinitely more expensive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Willem Dafoe, he plays a four on green guy. He's really funny. He's actually one of the best parts of the show. I hope there's that also, bought him a summer home. Uh, there's a um computer generated dog pig frog
1: thing. Every review I've read, it's like that thing's the best thing in the oh, entire just, movie.
0: Like, it's 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 just like uh, well uh, wait, did Anderson in direct Up? I don't think so. That thing was Pete Doctor. Uh, but it's almost like the dog from Up. Where they just did such a great like dog character, it just happens to be half monster, <laughs> but still just like. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 really paint by the numbers adventure story where it's this guy he you know gets drop kicked from Earth to Mars and he ends up getting involved in this giant civil war and he ends up marrying the princess at the end. Francis almost gets married to this evil bad guy, but then they like, crash the wedding. It's that kind of, gotcha. so, like, so, yeah. like you know, very swashbuckling kind of story. Pop- your
1: popcorn time. It's
0: kind of corny, but it's well put together. The The, 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 the weird thing is that the script is, just, the script is really, especially in the first third of the movie, is really weird, because, like, there's almost, like, three openings to the movie, because the movie just starts in media res on Mars while these, like, aliens are fighting each other. Then it jumps uh, to, like, New York in 1880, where it's all these guys are walking around in the rain, all this intrigue, and then suddenly this... It's just... It's just... It's kind of scattershot, and there's too much exposition. They could have stripped it out, down more yeah. to tell a simpler story, because so, so the story is not that complicated. Yeah. But it kind of gets bogged down in the details of all these names and stuff like that. But it's... It, yeah, it's not bad. It's If you're bored and you want to go see a big dopey action movie, it's definitely worth ten bucks.
1: It's interesting they didn't the release it in the summer. 3D isn't yeah. too
0: bad. I thought it was a post-process 3D. I could have uh, sworn that I'd read somewhere that it was shot in, you know, normal 2D, but then processed in the 3D. Which always looks awful. Or... Yeah, but, like, the 3D in this movie... Looked didn't, fine. ...didn't look that bad. You know, the best part it was, uh, I didn't realize Brave, the new Pixar movie that's coming out this summer, they had a yeah. trailer for that. In 3D, that looks amazing! Well, because it's All entirely characters... rendered in 3D! I know, But just, like, the on uh, Merida's uh, dress, she's got this iridescent, like, turquoise dress. Yeah. Well, not quite iridescent, but it's kind of like that silky, kind of like weird texture to it. Mm-hmm. Just in three D, just looks oh, just so appealing. Into her hair in three D because it's going off in fourteen different
1: directions. I was like, I'll see the shit out of this! See, I see that hair, and I'm like, oh, that's a lot of processing. Well, power. I do like obviously
0: with Brave, uh, <laughs> the two big te- yeah, the two big technological breakthroughs of that movie are like shimmery silk dresses and hair. Yeah, that's obviously what their big R and D budget for a uh, Brave one.
1: I just two. remember hearing all the Pixar people like. <sighs> Sigh into their hands over the hole in the yeah, in the, the in the outfit in the Incredibles, where he has to stick his finger through a hole in an outfit. Yeah, it's, uh... and, the, and all the programming guys were like, could he just? Could it be something else? Yeah. Anything but a hole. I just love all this computer <laughs> processing power. Yeah, and the
0: simple thing of Edna putting her hand through like the ripped hole in uh, Mister Incredible's suit—that yep. just drives computer crazy because it's reading that surface of the of the clothing as a flat yep. surface. But then the hand's going through it; it just doesn't understand there's a hole there. And yeah, computers are so smart yet so stupid, and I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, Brave <laughs> actually looked pretty good. Uh, but yeah, John Carter. Yeah. Man, I hope they. Well, the worst that happens to Andrew Stanton is that movie bombs and he just keeps on making Pixar movies forever, which is not you know that that is not the worst fate uh, that a motion picture director could fall to. Um... Oh, I was reading more of my uh, Farewell Titanic book. I was just telling Dylan about this. Uh, There's nothing interesting in there except for. um... There's this part in the book fossilized soup. Yeah, they were talking about how uh, one of the missions. (laughs) Uh, well, James Cameron, he took all of his Titanic money, and in 2001, he kept on doing more, like, robotic journeys down to the Titanic, and he built a little robot that that could go into all the, like, it was one of the first uh, missions to the Titanic where they could ever actually send robots deep down into the guts of the Titanic, because it's all fucked up, the the ships all crashed and smashed together and stuff like that, so it's hard to, like, you can't send anyone down there to investigate first person, so you have to send, like, little, like, toaster-sized robots with cameras.
1: Well, yeah, because the pressure is crushing Yeah,
0: and, like, it's too dangerous to send, like, bigger robots down there. All kinds of crazy shit. Anyway, so they sent a robot down there, they found a soup tureen with lamb soup still inside, with fossilized chunks of lamb soup at the bottom, like, two and a half miles beneath the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Uh, but the fucked up thing, just a couple feet away, they found a skull in the Eh. dirt, and that sounds fucked up. Well, it's the funny, yeah, they never, like, have found, like, actual human remains at the Titanic site, because just bones just, like, in the water for 75 years, or, like, Christ, I guess it's almost 100 years now, just aren't gonna last, but they have found all kinds of, like, clothing, like hmm. an arrangement of clothing, whereas obviously there was a body, Less organic or like two stuff. shoes, right, like right next to each other. There's a lot of pairs of shoes lying right next to each other, all scattered around. The, oh, wow, the that's, that's kind of creepy. E- well, then when they first found the Titanic, they were looking through the the debris field photos, and I'm like, yeah, why do we keep on finding these shoes paired next to each other? And like. Oh, oh, that was a body, where the body rotted away, but for some reason the shoes remained, or, like, you might have, like, a pair of pants with a shirt on top. Well, I
1: guess the, yeah, treated leather. Is that, well, also, yeah, um, they said it's kind Nothing's, of g- nothing's gonna eat the shoes,
0: I Yeah, guess. It's, well, it's like some of the wood in the Titanic. Some of it's been eaten, some of it hasn't. It seems completely arbitrarily what has five down there and what Interesting. hasn't. Interesting. But, yeah, just the, this image of, like, them finding the skull right next to this fossilized Thing of land su- lamb soup on that Titanic that's been down there for like ninety years. It's kind of ghoulish and uh, yeah. I love shipwreck stories and stuff. That, that's such like a haunted environment. I love that kind of shit. Anyway, that's why I love Titanic stuff. Uh, what the hell is the uh, Mass Factory? I've been playing that. Yeah. yeah. Pew pew. Pew pew. There's not much to report about that till next week. Uh, that was my life. Uh, on to the Geek Week in Review, where we talk about just general geekiness that's happened in the
1: world. Wow, we, wait, we haven't been doing that already?
0: <sighs> well, I was talking about my life, and you were talking ah, about your life. Oh, this, I is, see, this is I about see. geek culture in general.
1: Okay, go on.
0: Oh, this is, kills me. Ralph McQuarrie is dead.
1: Yeah, the Star Wars concept artist. Oh, Even man. I knew who that was. I
0: was fucked up about You know,
1: I was surprised as many people knew Ralph MacQuarie as they did.
0: When he died, all the tributes start rolling in. Um, I pretty much learned to draw by studying Ralph McQuarrie's art. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie, he was the concept artist, well, he was one of a couple different concept artists for the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, but he was the one who really kind of pushed through, uh, funding for the Star Wars movies. Uh, he was the guy George Lucas hired when the, when Lucas was still writing the script for Star Wars. And, uh, he had a... using
1: a Scrabble board. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, he was a guy who went to uh, Ralph McQuarrie and said, "Hey, can you draw me? I need a design. I need paintings. of I need of a Wookiees. gay
1: robot. Yeah,
0: I need to. Sh- I, I I need a painting of Darth Vader fighting Luke Skywalker. I need you know a painting. Wouldn't of he have been when...
1: Luke Star Killer at that point? Technically, so? to also.
0: Like, the painting of Darth Vader fighting Luke Skywalker that he wound up creating kind of looks like Luke Skywalker's kind of dressed more like a, like a sand person. Oh, yeah, he's got, like, a mask on or something. Yeah, and, like, his stormtroopers are all, like, they have lightsabers and shields and shit like that. Yeah. It's great to see the early Ralph McQuarrie art where, like, the, the, the script of uh, the basic story of Star Wars hadn't been nailed down yet. Oh, some of his sketches were when Luke was still a lady in some of the original versions of Star Wars. Uh, really? Luke, uh, yeah, Luke was going to be a lady. And Han was this big guy with a beard. Oh. And Han had a lightsaber. Huh. There was all kinds of fucked up. And, like, Chewbacca originally had these, like, these big bug eyes and We could shit. have
1: been living in a completely different world, Bill. I know. Man, it would have been cool if
0: Luke had been, la- uh, been a lady. I don't know. I don't know what happened there to actually make it so that she didn't end up being a lady. But Marketability? Probably, yeah. Well, I guess, after all, he decided that he needed the hero to save a princess and having the lady save a princess. Well, and the, little, and the whole meh. Joseph
1: Campbell hero's journey thing tends to work better <laughs> with the guy who's reconciling to his father. Yeah, That's yeah. That goes back to the Odyssey. I think
0: I think Lou was only a lady for like a week and a half. He only did like three sketches of that. But uh, but yeah, Ralph McQuarrie, he was, he, it was interesting, too, because his career path, he was old when he started to work on Star Wars to begin with he his, his big his big career was he actually worked for NASA back in the original moon landing he was the guy NASA hired to create paintings of what they thought the moon landing would look like. To show on the nightly news. Saying, oh,
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: back before they had to actually put anyone on the moon, and uh, he did a lot of like. Uh,
1: it looked like this, see? Yeah,
0: a lot of commercial work <laughs> for Boeing and aircraft stuff. But yeah, exactly. This is what. This, yeah, Walter Cronkite. If yes. you're looking at old footage of Walter Cronkite, looking, looking at a painting of, of the future. This yeah. is what the moon's going to look like. That's a Ralph Scenic painting. Scenic
1: matte painting valley. Exactly. Yeah,
0: and after that career ended, he just wound up doing stuff for Hollywood. And once Star Wars happened, that's all he did for the rest of his life. Was really kind wow. of work on that. And, like he designed. Uh, the original Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica stuff. and
1: well,
0: But yeah, no, he... Um, well,
1: hat, hats off to uh, a yeah. great figure in nerddom. He
0: must have been like 110 years old when he died, though. Because like I say, he was an old man when Star Wars got made.
1: That's pretty cool. Um, but
0: yeah, my parents, uh, when I was a kid, I was super into Star Wars, and so they got me the making of Star Wars books. Aww. And between uh, Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnson, those were the two guys who designed most of the Star Wars stuff. They, those guys essentially taught me how to draw when I was a kid. Uh, I learned how to draw by tracing Ralph McQuarrie drawings.
1: And that's why. That's, you, why, that's I, why you don't like drawing faces.
0: I, this, yeah, because all the concept <laughs> faces are more about like more about just the costume and stuff. I've been yeah. yelling
1: at you for ten years to and draw is faces. It's Ralph McQuarrie's fault that I
0: can't draw faces. Oh. Uh, so yeah, he died. Uh, terrible thing is that most people thought he was already dead, even if they knew who he was. But yeah,
1: well, but uh, it's I love that, that you lived a long life.
0: Yeah, I was kind of bummed at... He, they didn't have him come back and do any design work for the prequels. But he was... I think he had, like, Parkinson's or something. He I'm was super shaky. i he
1: was probably not in a good place for it. And, uh... But, yeah, it's understandable.
0: Yeah, but long live Ralph McQuarrie. Uh The other thing that sucks, too, Robert Sherman of the Sherman Brothers is dead.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, I thought he had died. I didn't realize he was still alive.
1: Speaking yeah, of... one of the, the creative team for Mary Poppins.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder, is his other brother dead? Because it's the Sherman brothers who wrote the songs for Mary Poppins. Uh, was it Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? The Jungle Book? Which is kind of weird because the songs in the Jungle Book kind of fucked up races.
1: Well, that's not their fault. I know.
0: <laughs> but... uh,
1: you no, know, Richard Sherman is still alive. Oh, awesome, we should be celebrating.
0: Mm-hmm. We should be celebrating life rather than mourning death. <laughs> we should ask him. Oh, we should we, we should send him an email asking him if he'll write us a, a a theme song for the Poya Howdy podcast.
1: Oh, but yeah, they, do it. The Sherman Brothers were kind of uh kind of like the Gershwin brothers a couple decades later, where they came from a Jewish European immigrant family. And... Oh yeah. Um, is
0: Sherman their actual well, name? Yeah. They have to anglicize? Uh, in
1: is fact, Sherman a Jewish name? Oh, that's right, because your
0: name is Sherman.
1: I'm not Jewish, though.
0: I'm, well. No, I'm,
1: I'm pretty sure that's a uh, that's an Ellis Island name, but their dad was a Tin Pan Alley songwriter.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it shows you how old those guys are, too. One yeah, their dad so they, was a Tin Pan Alley song.
1: Yeah, so they, uh, they started getting songwriting because he gave them a challenge.
0: <laughs> to, really? write,
1: to like write a song <laughs> together
0: but uh you know what I've never seen all of Chitty Chitty Mangbags, so I don't have any reference for that but, but fucking Mary Poppins mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time they
1: also and for this we must forgive them they wrote it's a small world after all
0: I know oh god I feel bad for that
1: I apologize to everybody who fault. now has that song yeah. stuck yeah. in their head
0: oh you know I just realized the first two movies I ever saw when I was a kid was Star Wars and Mary Poppins two creative influences on those movies are. T- oh man that's why I'm so depressed this week mm-hmm. Ugh. We well, have yeah, Robert Sherman. Oh, did you, yeah. Did you see that Dick Van Dyke got married to a forty-year-old makeup artist? <laughs> I this this just broke up on uh, on the internet just like an hour before we started podcasting. But well, yeah,
1: well, I'm glad oh, he's man. getting some. But
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Dick Van Dyke is old enough now to play the old banker man that he plays in Mary Poppins. He even <laughs> does that thing with his lips that like old men do, where he's like, mmm, 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 like always like licking his lips and stuff. Man, Dick Van Dyke got old. I'm I'm surprised Dick Van Dyke is still alive though. Jesus, he's. <laughs> He's worse off than who's the lady who playing Mary Poppins?
1: Julie Anders. She's
0: still together. Yes. Yeah.
1: Although she um didn't she have a surgery? She can't sing anymore because of a botched surgery. Well oh, she's her also vocal like seventy. Yeah, but
0: You're not gonna be to sing that well regardless. But yeah, that sucks. So,
1: yeah, and she she wrote a um an autobiography a few years ago. That's really quite lovely, uh-huh. and that talks about Mary Poppins and um, about how she got her break on Broadway I and and was... what it was like to to um she originated the role of Eliza Doolittle in the My Fair Lady musical, right. and then what it was like she's to got be in
0: Hollywood,
1: yeah, yeah. But then Audrey Hepburn ended up playing the part in the movie version, and Audrey Hepburn cannot could not sing a damn note, yeah, she's so stupid. she's, she's not so she's dubbed for the whole movie, and so mm. Julie Andrews had done this performance like literally thousands of times. And wasn't cast, and then she went on to become a big movie star. So I it was before or after
0: Mary Poppins? I wonder if that was before, and she just hadn't made her name yet. With no, Mary she Poppins. she just wasn't
1: famous enough yet yeah. to be cast in the film version of uh, of My Fair Lady.
0: Yeah,
1: but yeah, it's a she reads great book. I think she talks a little bit about the Sherman Brothers in it too. I'll have to check um, that out
0: because I love Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. Me and your dad both have crushes on Julie Andrews, which is kind of weird. <laughs>
1: Smart and interesting, lady. But yeah, the I, I think there was. You gave me a soundtrack to Mary Poppins that had commentary from the Sherman Brothers talking yeah, about no. writing the songs and about coming up with some of the lyrics, and it was really it was a great little archive.
0: When uh, the news broke that uh, Robert Sherman had died, I started combing through my CDs before I forgot that I gave you that CD.
1: Oh! and so I
0: just download, you could just download the whole thing from iTunes for ten bucks. So I just downloaded that instead. But that has that. That track where it has the interview with the Sherman. Yeah,
1: they they did the music for a ton of stuff. Yeah, and they
0: really also cool guys. apparently
1: wrote some screenplays too. Oh, really? mm-hmm. Who are the guys who wrote Ca- Casablanca?
0: What brothers team was that?
1: Uh, Casablanca was written by a whole herd of people, well, like twenty
0: people. But there's two guys who are kind of re- like are known to be kind of the genesis of the smart alecky attitude in that.
1: Yeah, they did all of the. I think, um, are they those did all guys of the, the cynical jokey humor. Um, let me...
0: That's another, it's another Jewish It's the brother, Epstein brothers. The Epstein brothers, that's Ju- what it Julius is. Julius and Philip. Yeah. I thought one of those guys had just died recently, too. Maybe not. Quite this a is a fascinating conversation. Who died recently? Bro, I, we sound like old people in old folks' home. Who died? Is Tony dead? I think
1: Tony's wife is still alive. Yeah, you know, the uh, Casablanca had um, the Epstein brothers who did a lot of the, uh, the more cynical, humorous stuff. And then they had, I think, Howard... Somebody or other did uh, did all the romancy stuff. Yeah, so that movie so really ev- everything together. where they had a shot of Ingrid Bergman through gauze, <laughs> looking up with tear filled eyes, going Rick uh, was not written by the Epstein brothers. <laughs> Do it get... again, Rick.
0: Rick. Oh man, it's a little bit like a. Wizard Although she Oz. doesn't call
1: him Rick initially because she always called him Richard.
0: She calls who's the guy who plays piano? Sam. Sally. She calls him boy once or twice, and I'm like.
1: I don't think so. Don't call it black just boy. Just call it. I know
0: your product, your time, but man, pre World War II movie, don't be calling black people, boy. That does not make me happy. Play
1: it, Sam. Play it, Sam. For, okay. for old time's sake.
0: Man, Castle Blank is the shit, though. I was, I know, I, I the was I have a hardest time trying to, ca- trying to convince people that Castle Blank is awesome. And they're like, no, 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 man, you watch that. If you're a fan of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, you woe it to yourself to watch Castle Blank and dig that because it's all about Nazis running around Africa. Oh yeah, Steven shit Spielberg
1: up. liberally steals from that movie. Yeah,
0: that kind of like weird, kind of like yeah, there's something about yeah,
1: it's great pulp. That's good, but yeah, it's a, but, like the Wizard
0: of Oz. How that was kind of Frankenstein together, where that will like. That was a script written by uh, 12 people, and there were four directors and stuff.
1: Well, and... as they they did not finish the screenplay for Casablanca until they were well into filming.
0: Yeah, weren't they like writing, the ac- rewriting pages? Yeah, every the day?
1: actors didn't know how it was going to end. Yeah, they didn't everyone
0: like, hate <laughs> each other and stuff? We need to do a Casablanca podcast someday. Mm. That's what today's podcast could have been. I'm
1: glad to be talking about family. No, actually, man. it was Sabrina that the cast all hated each other.
0: Uh, I've never seen Sabrina. I, I remember Because Audrey saying...
1: Hepburn was falling in love with William Holden, who was an asshole, and Humphrey Bogart hated William Holden and was really pissed at audrey hepburn for falling for him yeah she was like 10 years old so she didn't know any better well he was already
0: dating what's her name right
1: yeah he was married to lauren bacall by then but uh yeah bogart (laughs) went on record as saying the movie was a crock of shit yeah man bogey uh for those who don't know i was raised by a huge humphrey bogart fan there's an entire the entire rec room in my family's house is kitted out in humphrey bogart memorabilia I have probably seen every Humphrey Bogart movie that's been available for viewing since you know home viewing of movies became possible.
0: yeah, there's a mo- there's a model of the African queen
1: yeah, there's a mo- I helped my dad paint the crocodile. yeah oh, it was- you did? Okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, one of the earliest pieces of art uh, that my parents kept. This is the best. This is my first piece of fan art, probably. It is a drawing of the Maltese Falcon rendered in marker, and it is labeled beneath the Maltese Falcon. And I did this when I was four.
0: But you screwed up the spelling and you fixed it. Hey,
1: how many four year olds know how to spell as... Maltese? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's fixed and you
0: like you corrected yourself. But it's great because it's it's a pretty
1: good black bird and then it just has these little these little dicky dicky feet. It's cute.
0: Oh well, that's right, we were talking about that last week because I was doing something for Dark Horse where I snuck the Maltese falcon anyway, Yeah, But
1: you can platform, you can look you know? at that and recognize that I was raised by very strange people. Yeah. So I, just... I, I have a bizarrely deep understanding of Humphrey Bogart's did cinema you, history. did
0: your dad like <laughs> make copies of the letters of transit from Casablanca? too and like aren't they up and framed and there's like fake like it's like water's been dripped onto it to kind of make it look yeah, like somebody oh actually... no it's not the letters of
1: trans. is it the letters of transla- well, or it's the
0: letter that rick gets in the rain yeah
1: that ilsa gives to him yeah somebody came as that letter as a costume to a costume party my Well, like
0: dabbled went. with water so it was all like dripping yeah, was, and stuff it was yeah. good times uh, anyway, yeah so what
1: the hell oh that's
0: because we started talking about robert sherman man yeah. don't get us talking about old movies holy shit um <laughs> Do you care about the iPad? They announced an iPad HD or iPad 3 or whatever. It has high res, right? You don't have
1: an iPad? Nope. Okay. I'm I'm waiting. Yeah. I've well, been... you're not that you're
0: not that much of a tech nerd, or you're oh, you're also good with your money. You're like me and Annie, who are like
1: something new, shiny. We have to buy it. Blah blah blah. Oh, I love these things. It's just I look at screens so much for work yeah. and for social networking that it's. It's hard for me to justify buying another shiny screen, which honestly he... when I get home I'm like either I want to you know watch something silly on Netflix with Katie or I just want to read a book
0: okay. You a <laughs> whole thing against uh ebooks too
1: uh, yeah I don't like wait, the pricing wait, wait. schemes
0: oh the price oh I thought you had a problem with like just actual just like reading on a glowing screen I don't something. like that either but uh,
1: yeah. yeah, it makes a thus thus far ebook pricing is making it harder for authors to make a living.
0: Why? Cuz it's so deliciously cheap.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Too bad. <laughs> In a word. Yeah. I mean, the publishing industry is changing, so I don't I don't discount any form of distribution or format out of hand but no, no, no. I sh- but I sure would like to see I sure would like to see a system that benefits creators a bit more than the current one because right now it seems like it's just a war between Amazon and Apple and the traditional publishers and the victims are largely the creators who are just getting a smaller and smaller slice of the pie. So you're not buying an iPad? I wouldn't... I won- <sighs> Not anytime soon. I know. Soon. I'm just messing
0: with you. Um, I think
1: they're they're a lovely object. They're really quite. Stunning. No, I
0: still have my iPad One, and I still fall asleep every night reading it. It's 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 um, like when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I check for my email and my my, my shit on Twitter. Like well,
1: that's as a comics person, I'm excited by them because it, it makes it possible to read things in a vertical format. But on I'm still screen. bummed
0: that there's still no. I mean, you could read web. It's nice to read web comics on an iPad. Mm-hmm. It's better than just like sitting at your desk. It's uh, gonna get a lot a easier to
1: read high res PDFs on iPads now with that high resolution. I'm curious to see what
0: that new super high resolution screen looks mm-hmm. like.
1: I think that I think that will uh. make for uh, an actually quite nice reading experience for comics.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a little more organic looking with mm-hmm. the stuff. Oh, but crisper. I still wish there was a better like. Like, Marvel, all the big comics publishers have their own comics, digital comics distribution Yeah, and they're stuff. all terrible.
1: Yeah, they're all <laughs> terrible. The
0: <laughs> store shops are terrible. Nothing's really that much cheaper than it is if you were to buy the same stuff in paper, which yeah. they don't understand that's part of the appeal yeah. of digital stuff. Is they're that,
1: still figuring it out. <laughs> like, you can't get,
0: like, the like most of the stuff you buy, most of the individual comics you buy, it's individual visual floppy issues. It's really hard to find any... Uh, online comic storefront that sells like the graphic novels or mm-hmm. collections it's always because you know because they're going to make less money than if they you know try to get you to pay four dollars an issue for 12 issues or something rather than 12 dollars for one yeah nobody's really figured novel. out
1: how to do a convincing subscription system but... or voucher it, it, yeah it, I... it, again that's one of those reasons why i'm not i'm not jumping on board just yet because i don't want to invest a whole lot of time into making my stuff available for a platform that's then going to be you know out of date or inaccessible yeah. well, or bad HD
0: like you know if you if you had put all of your stuff online hmm. you'd be obligated to make it HD now because
1: oh it's fine cuz my, my stuff is at higher resolution but it would be uh, nice yeah. it would be nice if when i'm selling a digital version of books it would actually be better than just looking at it on the website because right now with the iPad i could sell a digital with the iPad too i can sell digital versions of my comics but that's really only worthwhile if you're wanting to read it offline because it's going to be almost the exact same image quality. Yeah. yeah. So knowing that's that it's sharper, point. I think it'll be, it'll be. I'm I'm interested to sell PDFs of comics for the iPad 3, but that's we'll see if that happens. That's the extent of my interest.
0: Um. So what else happened? Uh. You don't know much about this. Uh. Annie and I may talk about this more next week. But uh, Peter Molyneux, ugh, Peter Molyneux has left Microsoft slash Lionhead Studios. Uh, Peter Molyneux is, have you ever heard us flip out about the Fable games? Yes. Uh, he is the guy who's responsible for that, and so it seems like this is going to be pretty much the death of the Fable games. Me and Annie will complain about this more next week, but I just wanted to make a mention of that because that's a big deal. Um, and lastly, the only inter- interesting this ha- thing that happened this week, uh, Warner Brothers has announced a 31-disc box set of all the Harry Potter movies that will be released at the end of the year for $500. That is insane. 31 discs the best the packaging is great though it's like this cube that folds out and it's like harry's uh table from his like his little work table from the uh, gryffindor commons room but it's just well it it works out the 31 discs because it's it's dvd slash blu-ray slash digital digital copies of all the movies i think each movie there's a director's cut and the theatrical release which each gets its own disc. Good There's like Lord. 18 discs of like special features and stuff. That is ridiculous. For 500 bucks, that is, that is nuts. But I just yeah. I love the fact that that's going to exist as an object in the world, though. Wow. Yeah. Somebody will buy it. 31 discs? That's got to weigh like 10 pounds. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh, I love just... DVD box sets when they're designed that ridiculously. A couple years ago, they came out with an alien box set yeah. where all the discs fit into an alien head a giant like three foot long replica alien <laughs> head that you took the top of the head off to put the discs in. There was also something like that where they had a uh, Planet of the Apes. There was a big ape bust. Jesus. And like, yeah, I think you took off his face and put the discs in what its is face wrong or something. With that's
1: great. Oh, alien story that's been going around the studio this week. Uh, my studio mate Terry owns a Whippet. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh and they're I think s- I know you're they're skinny
1: little knobbly dogs. They look kind of like Italian greyhounds, uh, mm-hmm. only more shivery. And uh apparently some some old footage has been making the rounds on the internet from when they were doing um, the first Alien movie, which is originally... Third one, this the, one, actually. Yeah, really, I've seen, yeah. But the burster, They needed a, the burster to run away down a hallway, and well, originally they fitted a, a an alien suit for a whippet. Yeah! So it's just this dog wearing this freaky alien suit. But oh. but then they filmed it. They couldn't film it from the front because, it, you know, it just looked too much like a dog. But either, Well... Because they couldn't put a they couldn't put a helmet on the Whippet's head without it freaking. Out. So it had to be
0: this open faced mask. So they could only shot shoot this dog in this alien costume from, from behind. behind. And, and instead it just, of like the dog running down the hallway like really fast, it's just like trotting down the hallway. It's obviously just a dog with an alien mask on its head. And it's the saddest looking like, thing in the world. And it's supposed to be the super dark threatening. Like, oh my god, it's an alien dog creature. I know.
1: It just looks like a puppy wearing a weird sweater. It looks like a dog that was trying to eat
0: like out a watermelon. And, like, got its head stuck in the watermelon, and now it's just kind of walking away, and that is the scary alien
1: footage, yeah. Uh, you just know that some poor costume and props designer, like, yeah. didn't, well, didn't see his girlfriend for two months, because he was building that dog jumpsuit. Well, it's,
0: it's funny, well, it's, it's from <laughs> Alien 3, because there's an alien who actually gets infected with a chestburster, and that's why the idea is that when it came out, they were hoping that, like, the idea would be that the alien is kind of shaped like a dog.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the
0: photos of this poor whippet with kind of, like, the alien makeup on, and it's just Kind of sitting there like, what's oh, so, going Do I get my cookie? Yeah? Do I get cookie? Yeah, I was just, oh, and like, yeah, the shot of its face inside, like the helmet, just, like, they, face they its always phone, look frightened. Just, the dog's just like, what am I doing here? Yeah, the final shot is it's just, it just looks like a, <laughs> looks like a, a weird outtake from Wishbone. <laughs> Just the dog trotting down this dark, smoky hallway with, like, this fake alien suit on. Uh, but yeah, yeah we, we've
1: been watching that footage a lot in the studio this week. Yeah, that was
0: precious. That was good times. Oh, uh, but yeah, so that's uh, the Week in Review, and uh, we're gonna take a break now. And when we come back, we're gonna talk to Dylan about her webcomic family man. Woo!
1: And I lost the taste for judging right from wrong. For my flesh had turned to fur, yet my thoughts, they surely were, turned to instinct and obedience to God. Okay, we're back. And we're going to talk about Family Man. Yes. Yes. Yes, we are.
0: Tell us what the premise of Family Man is. It's This is Dylan's webcomic.
1: Alright. Uh, that you can
0: find at LutherLevy.com.
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. Or just by searching for Family Man and not clicking on the Nicolas Cage movie from several years ago. Is
0: Nicolas Cage, the, is that movie still trumping yours on the Google search I th- rankings?
1: I think it's just that, you know, the studio originally paid for a whole bunch of search engine optimization. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Nicolas Cage ruins everything, I swear to God. But yeah, so what's your comic about?
1: Uh, the comic is set in the 18th century. Uh, it. First opens with a guy who has been kicked out of grad school because that was something that happened back then
0: too. I was surprised to learn that was there was grad school back then. I have no idea what the academic structure in eighteenth century Europe was.
1: Uh, I'd be happy to tell you more about it. But yeah, he's been let's he's been, he's Tell him, me more. <laughs> I will buy ten of your cookies. He's been kicked out of his PhD program and we're initially not sure why. So we open with him hanging out with his weirdo family. Um, it turns out uh, his dad used to be Jewish. He's a Christian He Used convert. to be Jewish. Yes, he is not, he, he, is, he is a Christian now. Uh, and Well, did he get
0: married? Now that's why he's not Jewish no more? We're getting into details. Jews can't reciprocate. You asked
1: me for the premise. I'm going to keep going on I until I'm done what talking is... about the premise. Okay. Uh, he ends up taking a job at an obscure university um, towards what is now the Czech Republic. and uh, It's not in Germany? Not, not. It's right. It's let right let on, on the borderline.
0: Shut up and let you talk.
1: Thanks, Bill. Uh, See, so yeah, he ends up getting a job at this university that uh, is run pretty much by one guy, and whose daughter is in charge of the library. His, whose unmarried daughter is in charge of the library. She's kind of cute too. Yeah, but a little bit scary. So our our young hero starts to get more and more involved with the family that runs this university, and is going to be gradually sucked into um, a big culture clash between different members of the of the young woman's family. Mm-hmm. There might be werewolves. That's m- always my punchline.
0: Who is the family man?
1: That's the question the, the book asks As her- so. I ask that, I'm
0: scratching my chin going, What I'm, does, it, who is what the does it mean
1: to belong to a family? No. If, are families only those into which we are born or those of our own making? Well, there's a big split. Are you going to talk about... Um... I was a literature major, by the way, so I get really yeah. into themes and tropes. Yeah. Love that shit.
0: There's Ovid in this book.
1: Yes. What's yeah. Ovid? Uh, a Roman poet.
0: There's references to this book about stuff. What's the po- What did he write about? Why is Ovid, why is he a thing in this book? Why is he referenced? Uh, the book has- Oh, speaking of which-
1: Fuck you, Bill! Ask me a question and then interrupt me before I, I, I even say. start!
0: The only reason I ask about Ovid is supposedly there are werewolves in this comic. <sighs> right. Which doesn't, Ovid ties into that, right? Sure. Some thematically, yeah.
1: There's there's a theme about transformation, and do you transform willingly, or does it happen to you? Uh, And Ovid wrote um, a big compendium of poems that retold classical myths in which generally somebody is transformed or transmuted into something, okay. either intentionally or against their will. So it's just, it's a big collection. Some of them are super short and a little more obscure and some of them, like Eros and Psyche, are pretty well known.
0: Uh, that that's Isn't it a little bit of a plot device? Is the book that uh, Luther and Ariana, Luther being the main character, Ariana being the hot library is that the book that they're kind of trading a little bit like where, yes yeah, a okay. copy
1: a copy of that book is a plot point yeah it's a
0: plot device um so uh how did you how did, yeah well, well okay well uh what's your history of cartooning like what's how did you end up like making family man and cartoons and stuff like
1: that well the no, this, is not, just, in this is not
0: just about family man but I also am curious to see how you wound up becoming a cartoonist
1: what, it's not the most popular career on the face of the earth? What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> you can make so much money being a web cartoonist. Look at Penny uh, Arcade.
1: I was one of those kids who was always drawing. Like, my, if you ask my mom, she will tell you about how when, I, when you were, like, two, you drew a picture of your father, and it had a mustache and a nose and ears and two eyes and eyebrows, and that is so developmentally advanced. <laughs> You were drawing the
0: Maltese Falcon when you were were four, as we mentioned. Exactly.
1: So um, there was always spare paper around the house because my parents were were tech nerds. So there was always a printer whose paper I could steal. And I was really encouraged to draw and write whenever I wanted to. Um, And I always Mm -hmm. got really good reactions from classmates. Whenever I wrote and drew cool stories, grown-ups loved it too. So it was really, it was reinforced for me that telling stories and drawing pictures, those were things I was super good at. Yeah. And that people liked, even if they found me personally annoying. <laughs> hey! Uh, so that was just something I kept doing throughout childhood, and I discovered comic books in a variety of ways and circumstances. Um, you yeah, know we... every, Everything from Archie on okay. newsstands to, you know, friends giving me, Batman in fifth grade or reading Mouse when I was about ten That's crazy. And then I met my friend Erica Moen in the first half of high school and she was a huge graphic novels nerd so she introduced me to just a ton of stuff.
0: Yeah, Erica Moen, fellow friend of the podcast she's also been on here once or twice before. Yeah, Yeah,
1: so she really cracked my little brain open. I had an influential boyfriend too who was really into graphic novels. So there was a a whole bunch of points where I got super into telling stories through words and pictures. Um, I grew up during the Disney 2D animation era, too. So there was a ton of just... There were just cartoons Yeah, you were in everywhere. high school in the
0: mid-90s. Or, no, wait. I, like, late 90s, early 2000s. I was
1: born in uh, September of 83. Yeah, so I was so a kid at... Ex- middle
0: school during... Okay, yeah. I, no,
1: I was in elementary school. Like, I was... Like maybe six when The Little Mermaid came out, so oh, I, oh, I was Jesus. Okay. I was the ground zero demographic for all of the the most famous Disney movies of the nineties. Yeah, so your so brain was really
0: kind of shaped by pretty much
1: every girl of my generation who liked drawing. Was just hugely influenced. I didn't draw movies. more like
0: Disney characters, though. I mean, you, I can see a slight Disney influence on your style, but it's not like you went out of your way to like draw like Disney princesses.
1: I've never anything. been super good at drawing the way somebody. Else. <laughs> I mean, I can I can do pretty good imitations of other people's stuff, but like. Just in general, changing the way I do something to be more popular is not something I'm very good at. Like, Which
0: that's you're not like me. Where my a big part of my shtick as an artist is like I can try to copy someone else and I can do it pretty well. Again. I
1: find that to be a fun challenge, but I can't. It's a challenge, but it's not, not a way. My, to... It's not my home base. Like I even just like the fashion. Well, you and have your school, own style. Well, you know what, how in seventh grade you try to wear like the cool stuff, yeah, and you try to pretend that you're into the same things other people seem to be really into. And I just couldn't frickin' Can do it like I was that kid was like but Hello Kitty stuff is stupid why would I pretend to like Hello Kitty stuff I don't understand so I, I mean yeah I got excited when I taught myself how to draw Simba but it didn't really that, stick like yeah. and, and I had so many people being like oh it's all about being yourself and it's about developing your individual vision blah 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 so nobody ever tried to cram me into one style box or tell me that was the only way to do it
0: yeah. see I, when I was growing up I, I, I knew how to draw Star Wars <laughs> I knew how to draw Star Wars and look like Star Wars. So that made me popular.
1: I was drawing... Well, as
0: popular as a fat kid drawing Star Wars can be, but... You know. I,
1: I mostly drew original material. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of
0: the things you showed me was... it. What, what was the, like, comic you drew when you were, like, seven or eight?
1: Isn't the, 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 the superhero banana? Oh, uh, no, this was middle school. I was 13. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. I didn't have many friends, obviously. Uh, I and I did an entire graphic novel starring... Sort of a character who's basically me, um, but very self-awarely and not very complimentarily so. Yeah. Uh, as a frustrated superheroine who just can't get it off the ground.
0: That's what it was. And, like...
1: and so I put out an ad in a newspaper for a, for a sidekick, and the only guy who turns up happens to be a levitating banana. That's
0: what it was. Who okay. actually is
1: smarter than I am. Uh, the villain of the piece Jesus. is a stick figure who's threatening to erase the entire comic that we're in. How it's long? it's fucking brilliant. That, was a, that tiny wasn't tiny just like
0: a five page comic though. That
1: was like you have a whole binder like of like eighty story. pages. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to scan it all in. But yeah, I also oh, wow. that was also the age where I was making up a whole league of superheroes, like serious ones that had trauma and shit. And yeah, playing role playing those with some friends. So I have like a, a bushel of like maybe two dozen of these women who are all wearing practical shoes, by the way. They're in they're in spandex, but yeah. none of them have heels. Which is funny because it's not that
0: far of a leap time-wise from that to the doing the big comic that actually was your breakthrough in web comics, Bite Me.
1: Yeah, that was the end of high school. So yeah, it was a little bit of was a was like five years developmental climb there. As you get older, five years seems like when you when you're five 13, years is a five long years time. is an eternity
0: and a half. Yeah, when you're yeah when you're like in your late twenties, early thirties, you're looking back like five years ain't shit. Uh, But yeah. So, but in high school, you started to work on a comic called Bite Me. Yep. Yeah. Which is how you and I became friends is because I found this comic online. Aww. Yeah. Uh, Bite (laughs) Me is yeah. Tell me what what Bite Me was
1: about. It's a vampire farce. This is before Twilight. Um, So vampires. Oh yeah, ten years. Vampires were kind of a niche interest. Well, the biggest vampire thing out there
0: was at the the time was like Buffy the Vampire Slayer at the most. If even then.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. Buffy was around or even like But even that was sort of the culture. There vampire there wasn't things. there wasn't a a huge thing that was, was that everybody was into. It was, yeah, whatever. It, was a, it was a kooky little nerd thing, but yeah, my my story that I like to tell is that um in school we had to read Tale of Two Cities. And it drove me insane. Uh, and then I read Interview with the Vampire. And it drove me insane in a different way. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed both of those books thoroughly. But at times I also wanted to throw them at a wall. So I figured... I thought you liked Interview with a Vampire. Oh, it was great. But it's also ridiculous. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's be clear. I've never
0: been able to get past 20 pages into that book. Yeah, but, you're you fine. Know. You
1: don't need to. Um but, terrible. But I decided that clearly the thing to do would be to combine the two things and make fun of them both at once. Uh so the premise is that a bunch of vampires have this been is for bite me not. Yeah. yeah. The a bunch of vampires have been swept up into the French Revolution and they're just desperately trying to not get decapitated along with everybody else. That's,
0: but it's got a super crazy like looney tunes sense of humor to it. Yeah, it's, it's it's really wacky.
1: It's super silly. People get pushed down staircases. There are, you know riots uh yeah.
0: Yeah. People get beheaded but still walking around with their head like loosely Tied to their neck yes. stump and is, stuff. it is. It is a super
1: goofy crowd pleaser that started out as kind of gentle slapstick and then got a little even more loopy as I went along. Yeah. Um. It was it was crazy fun and I did a page a week for like four years. Yeah, it was a long time. You finished that? I kept doing it all through college and when I got to campus for freshman year at Wesleyan University, I was initially famous like the first week of freshman orientation yeah. as the girl with the comic.
0: Wow. Like I wound up in the studio. Were you walking newspaper? around like drawing it during class and stuff, or like you could see? It, I, like, know, I was just doing it in my dorm room,
1: stuff. but like that was that was an unusual thing. Like, and this is oh, this is pre Facebook, right? So having a website, you had to be a determined little weirdo to have a website circa 2000, 2001. Yeah,
0: because you're part of that generation that kind of first generation that kind of grew up with the internet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was <sighs> sitting there hand coding into Notepad, <sighs> fucking crazy, using Netscape.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like. I like the only reason I know you is because I was.
1: What the hell? Yeah, I just
0: happened to randomly find your website. You were looking for
1: furry art, and then you Uh, happened across a forum that Erica and I hung out at. No,
0: I was actually looking for Jet Grind radio art. (laughs) <laughs> That's what it was. Uh,
1: well, my, my, my uh, That's the most fortuitous my search My housemate, ever. he was really
0: into Jack Ryan radio, and for his birthday, I was trying to look up Jack Ryan radio
1: images. God, you're probably searching on Alta Vista, too. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I was at work. <laughs> some I, I was
0: working a midnight to 8 a.m. job at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and I had nothing else to do at 4 o'clock in the morning except for look for Jet Force, uh, Jack Ryan radio images uh, at work. And uh, for some reason, that brought me to... Because I th- was also looking for fan art to see what other people had drawn for mm-hmm. this video game, and uh, that brought me to Amy Major's website, which mm-hmm. is which was largely about fan art and stuff like that. And yeah. I was having to be clicking through some links, and I saw wow. the Bite Me website. I was like, "What the hell is this?" It was such a weird ass comic.
1: It's very silly.
0: And I was like, I just happened to send off an email saying, "I don't know what the hell you're doing. This comic's fucking hilarious." Aww. And then that's 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 how uh, we talk, got started. Communicating talk about to things each other.
1: that unexpected things that end up changing your life. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's, but that's uh, crazy. Um, and here we are. Yeah, like ten <laughs> yeah, years ten later. Ten years later. Jesus
0: Christ. Yay. Um,
1: but yeah. yeah, that that was my that was my start in the in the comics world, and I got like bizarrely positive attention for that comic. Like, if you are nineteen and you're sitting in a college dorm room, and suddenly Scott McCloud, who's written one of the most critically acclaimed guides to comics ever, yeah. posts on his blog that your comic is charming. Holy cow! How is that for like? incredible amount of validation for a student well,
0: you know we eventually wound up becoming friends with Scott mm-hmm. and uh like a bite me wound people up, at
1: comic-con you online. wound up getting kind of
0: words about bite me from like Neil Gaiman
1: yeah it yeah. really it, it was... made the rounds
0: for like a, a goofy little webcomic you started in high school yeah for
1: something that I started on a whim over winter break
0: yeah <laughs> great you put a lot of work into that but it's funny. I did but it that that comic really had legs though yeah. yeah, and
1: people still ask me about it. And oh, I should I should mention this. Um, I've been getting a lot of emails, people asking me when Bite Me is going to be back in print, and it will be back in print, hopefully in time for Halloween this year. Okay. Um, so Did you sell out? Oh yeah, it's gone. Son. Okay. Uh, so. I'm I glad I, glad I have my copy then. It, it's going. To, I am planning for it to be uh, a special, fancy anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it the 13th anniversary edition. I don't know if it'll actually be thirteen years, but it's fun to say Still that. So close, yeah. Uh, and I am going to try to do a ten-page new story. Oh, feature, very cool! Featuring the characters. Aww. So, okay. uh, if you guys, oh, think, I, I... if you guys think that's interesting or cool, keep your eyes peeled. I might be taking donations. New
0: somewhat. Kickstarter. Um. So anyway, so bite me actually turned into in a weird kind of way it has has links with Family Man.
1: Yes. I tell, Which is I the comic that, that you're
0: doing now, bringing us back to Family Man?
1: Yeah, they're in different, entirely different universes. Physics work differently. Well, and, yeah. your main character from Family Man technically showed us—he shows up
0: and bite me, but it's a, like, yeah, you, it's a, it's not the same continuity. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. it's kind of like a mirror universe situation where, yeah, there's... Luther shows up and he's he's a werewolf in bite me. Yeah, he's, he's the token he's werewolf He's a snotty middle-aged
1: German werewolf who, whose purpose is in the story to sit there and go, Oh, I can't believe you people. Yeah. <laughs> what is,
0: he's surrounded by all these what regarded, is wrong yeah, with you? ridiculous vampire. French uh, vampires. Yeah. And
1: then I started thinking about what his backstory would be and how it came that he was friends with the ma- one of the main vampire characters. Because he was such so out of place in this bunch of froofy, redonkulous French vampires And then its I just got more and more into thinking about that. And it was initially going to be... Family Man was going to be a very silly story. Yeah. There were going to be lots of just ongoing jokes and obliviousness. And and then it turned into a serious one.
0: Yeah. Family Man's on the complete opposite end of the entertainment spectrum Mm -hmm. from Bite Me Wars. Bite Me was all, like, light and fluffy and wacky. And not to say, like, Family Man's super dour or anything like that. But it's a slower pace. It's realistic. It's drama. Even though this is... This is the byproduct of a story that was all about vampires and werewolves. Mm-hmm. You would have no idea that there's anything supernatural about this comic if Dylan weren't here to tell you that, like, yeah, maybe so werewolves will show shit's up by the end go of the down. story. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's mostly about uh, all, all like political intrigue at this school mm-hmm. and doomed, socio doomed gender doomed
1: romance and yeah, family wars and yeah. there's a
0: lot of dichotomy between like man versus nature. And, man versus woman, and well, all, Jewish versus Christian. It's all stuff and...
1: that people in the Enlightenment were really freaking out about. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun for me to just see how many polarities I like, can pile on top of each other. But mm-hmm. the the whole point of the story is the main character realizing he's not the main character. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah, the supernatural stuff, I, I joke that I'm designing it to disappoint everybody. So that anybody was like, yeah, wolf out. Well, everyone, that's not going to happen. Well, nor, nor is it going to be all a metaphor for feelings. Well, <laughs> te- well,
0: technically, this is a prequel to Bite Me, because Bite Me took place during the French Revolution. This takes place about 30 40 years earlier. Yes, but I make Maybe no 30, promises. 30
1: years. But no the character Luther, he continuity. shows up
0: in Bite Me as a werewolf, and this shows him, obviously, is obviously not a werewolf. He's, like, a 20-something grad yeah. student. Basically, but, I like yeah. messing
1: with people. But, yeah,
0: so you, you've got this weird gap that you... Kinda will be filling, but maybe not. But maybe not. Yeah. You're not complete, like because it's kind of like a side universe. you can kind of tweak.
1: You can be pretty sure the character's not going to be killed, but that's yeah. about all I'm going to give you.
0: Um, yeah. What's the creative process in creating a page? I'm just kind of curious because uh, we know a lot of uh, cartoonists, both online and offline. Yeah. What's your creative process for creating a, uh, a page of Family Man like?
1: Everybody does it differently. Yeah, because some um, people
0: will dr- do it the old style way, which is you know drawing and, r- and inking on paper.
1: Some oh, so you're talking people... about the actual construction of the art? Well, the also,
0: in the writing, too, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah,
1: I guess probably the most popular way to do it is to write an entire script, kind of like a screenplay, only instead yeah. of shots, it's panels. Um, and then you do thumbnails, which is tiny little, just sketchy layout versions of all the pages. Yeah, this is the uh, process then, I'm in
0: the middle of for my Nintendo Yeah, history. and then you go yeah, all the
1: way books. back to the beginning, and then you do... All the penciling work. So basically, all the all the fundamental drawing. Yeah, and then you, and then you go back again and you ink everything. Yeah. So you make all the final lines. Then you go back again and you do all the coloring <laughs> it's like building and building a car
0: or something. Yeah.
1: If you had to build the car like eight times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're laying down the groundwork and you're bolting this onto that. Yeah, you're kind of doing all these separate passes. Yeah.
1: Whereas I, from
0: beginning to end, I'm
1: sort of building a bridge as I'm crossing it. Yeah. Uh, the story, I'll try to write ahead, fair enough amount that I feel secure about where I'm going. Um, but stuff has definitely changed over time. I'm getting close enough now to where I've been really trying to plan things out much more closely so that I don't paint myself into a corner or forget to tie something off that's going to become important.
0: Well, you're kind of entering the like last third of the comic now. And mm-hmm. so you, it, 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 behooves you to kind of make sure that you've got everything yeah, story wise kind of like nailed are, down. are coming
1: home to roost. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody has something to roost on. Yeah.
0: Um, this is a good time to get in Family Man if you want to catch yeah. it while it's still live. And, or no, no, and here, this is everything. better.
1: Right now there is a giant pile of revolvers on top of the mantelpiece, <laughs> and I'm just starting to pull them down and fire them off. Yeah. Uh, well, so... how long
0: Family Man's been going on for, what, four years now? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Five years. It's, it's taken five longer to bite me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were, what, on page 245? Which sounds like a lot, but compared to other, some other webcomics out there, that is not... Look uh, Compared yeah. to Jan, our friend Jan Manley Lee, her yeah. dice box isn't... Um, is she yeah, in the thousands
1: yet? No.
0: No, but still it's hun- multiple hundreds of, of pages yes. she's put into that thing. Yes. And other people we know. Well, I've yeah. been
1: limited to doing a page a week, and I've been pretty consistent about that. I took a break during the summer, but... um,
0: Well, you took a break to write. You were still working on the comic, but you were yes. writing out the script for the next the rest of the year. But in general, yeah.
1: I will have... I'll know the scene that I'm writing in, and it will be pretty solid... And every week I will look at it and look at the next chunk of script that I have to cover. I'll sort of decide roughly how much I think will fit into a good page or will yeah. make a good logical unit. And then I um, I just do a free brain, drum, brain dump scribble on a piece of printer paper. I put up an image of this on my Flickr stream. Okay. Um, so my... Flickr username is quirkybird. If you look that up, you'll find it in my recent photos, um, okay. where it's just I, I just draw out every possible image I could see being part of the page, mm-hmm. and so sometimes there'll be multiple versions of something, or if there's a pose I'm interested in, but I don't know what angle I want to show it from, or if I want to see if I can compress a bit of conversation and have a bunch more characters in one panel. So which, which is just
0: diff- yeah, which is different than some other people will start drawing directly on the page and kind of rough things out.
1: Yeah. You're kind of
0: sketching on a separate piece of paper. I, I
1: really like to think about what I want to put in. And then the next thing I do is I try to arrange it into a layout of specific panels. So I'll I'll decide, okay, well, I want to show this many things. I think that's about five panels. Is it, How can I make these five panels fit in a way that makes sense and that emphasizes the right things? Is it
0: hard breaking down such a dialogue-heavy comic into legible panels uh, in that like, you will still uh bring across the amount of information you want to bring up you bring across in that mm-hmm. specific week's... without having
1: just little bobbleheads floating in the sea of text.
0: Yeah with so much yeah with so much text and so much story that you want to knock out in a given week. Mm-hmm. Is that a challenge getting like getting all that story and all that text onto a page layout that still looks uh, visually appealing. Is that is, is, is oh, that a absolutely. huge problem? Yeah. All the time?
1: I, I have to be careful to Make sure there are enough points of visual interest beyond I am a face making an expression. Well,
0: talking to you about the script, yeah, you, you you tend to run into this thing in writing the script where you sometimes forget that you will have... It's a comic. You don't have to have everything explained by characters talking about stuff. Mm. There will be, like, there's a visual, like, yeah, there's a whole visual half to the comic that you can also tell a story through whether it's their costume yeah, so or frequently, somebody doing something while they're talking. Yeah. You'll be you hearing me whining you'll about how you're a little lost in your own head sometimes when it yeah, comes to writing. Bill
1: comic. has to put up with me whining, everybody, nobody will shut up. The characters just keep talking And then of course I put it on the page and they're doing things yeah. and you see things in the background or the it's, setting. It's the yeah. setting is doing something. So a lot of things happen when you actually start drawing art that don't that just aren't there in the script. Like yeah. characters are they are acting, I think of them as actors, so somebody's facial expression is really going to influence how the lines they're saying comes across, and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, two panels could look exactly the same on the script, it's character A saying something to character B, but then, in the comic, one of them is a very simple panel of two heads talking to each other, and the other is, like, this huge landscape shot, where you have two tiny figures saying something, but in the midst of a very important environment, so Mm -hmm. that... A lot of thought, for me, goes into the layout process. And that's often the part where I get the most hung up and the most obsessive because I really want it to work. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to give short shrift either to the story or to the images. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time there. Doing the brain dump thing has freed me up a lot from the terror of having to get perfectly on the the page.
0: Oh, you mean just the the, the Yeah, doing a a
1: sloppy version. And then... Once I feel like I have something I'm solid about, um, I will do up a little template for it in Adobe Illustrator and print it out on a piece of big, shitty printer paper. okay. So on a piece You're doing 11 all by this 17... down at the studio. Yeah, the so Periscope studio, I'll yeah. print out on a big 11 by 17 piece of paper, um, just empty panel boxes. Okay. And then I will draw all the images into there, You're just using a normal mechanical pencil. Then I will scan it, turn it into blue. I'll print it out onto nice paper with all, the, all that rough drawing turned into very light blue ink that mm-hmm. I can get rid of later. So
0: you're still inking in real life.
1: Yeah, I, I do all the line work with actual pens. Okay, and
0: then you scan that in, and then you color and I everything I scan that digitally. in,
1: I fix it, and then I color it digitally. Yeah,
0: on in Photoshop with a Cintiq. Yes. Which, uh, people who don't know, a Cintiq is uh, it's a digital tablet that you draw directly onto the screen yes. with. It's it is the, so nice. Everyone, the all the comic artists we know, well, at least most of them have a Cintiq. Yeah, yeah that's how we all draw in color. Uh, mo- most of the stuff that I draw, like... Everything from my Zelda maps to Doctor Who stuff, all that stuff, the Nintendo book, will all be drawn digitally. Mm-hmm. There's no physical versions. Yeah, whereas with Dylan, yeah, you've actually got have, physical pages. I have
1: a combination process, Yeah, you could
0: sell yeah. pages if you wanted to, whereas with yeah, me, there's won't look no like, physical... Yeah, they won't look
1: like the final ones, because they'll just be empty lines. Well, but... I feel bad,
0: because like, we do some work for Jasper Ford, uh, the British <laughs> yeah. author. Well, he's Welsh, uh, but he's a uh, Welsh author uh very he writes a lot of fantasy books mm-hmm. and we do illustrations for his and there novels. are
1: no originals to
0: send i know in. and he'll be like if you, there's an original you can mail it to me and i'll hang it on my wall I'm We're like, like no so i just drew this on a computer only no pixels yeah and so like we need to sit down and print out some of that stuff and be yeah just so at least he has a hard
1: copy yeah
0: um so
1: no i i have a combination process and i like that a lot
0: yeah that's very it's a that's kind of what Erica does these days, too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's... Uh... I, I don't like working totally digitally. It's harder for me to keep my sense of proportion, and it's mm-hmm. harder for me to, um, to feel, this is going to sound so lame, it's not, it's not as spiritually fulfilling for me yeah. as working on paper is. Like, just for me, having that time where I am looking at a physical object and I am making physical lines on it is really, I love that feeling. Okay. Like, that's, for me, that is a really just lovely, immersive feeling. I don't feel like my face is being microwaved. Um, It's harder for me to be distracted. Uh, There aren't, like, it limits choice, but it makes those choices much more engaging.
0: I got freaked out last week. I I sat down and decided I was going to do big ballpoint, uh, pen sketch
1: yeah, used, on actual you, physical Bic paper. Yeah, used to be your uh, your. Medium. Yeah, it
0: used to be... Sharpies and Bic ballpoint, uh, ballpoint pens were my... That was my medium of choice. Were you
1: trying to do the undo command on paper? Uh, <laughs> no,
0: last week I started... I forgot I was doing some kind of big sketch, and my hands got re- really tired very quickly... Because, I'm, I'm like, with the Cintiq, you need such a light
1: touch to draw. because oh, you, you weren't just I, I dragging a plastic lost, pen over a friction-free surface. Yeah, I
0: literally lost some of the muscle development in my hands that I huh? developed from actually drawing in real life, which is kind of freaky to see. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I draw in real life, I tend to really grip everything very tightly so my yeah. hands would get tired if I'm not used to doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually lost... Yeah, my, the muscles in my hand have kind of atrophied that, in that way a little wow. bit, where it's, it's yeah, drawing in real life is a little bit harder than, than drawing on the same tape yeah. now, yeah. which freaks me out. The thing well, that your hand kind of needs that exercise to I, keep that shit up.
1: I also like that in real life, um, I at least am forced to make choices more decisively. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't just infinitely go That's back true, and That's true, you can't things. just go like, oh, I
0: can undo this, so or I can fix this later, So something cut and paste this. really
1: has to look wonky for me to go in and oh. spend a lot of time digitally correcting it. okay.
0: Yeah. Um...
1: So yeah, then I color it in Photoshop, and then I put it online, and then I put it in a book.
0: How did, well, you're, you're a super smart lady. You had a super oh, crazy smart education. How does that affect the comic? Because a comic takes place at a uh, school. Yeah. Like, how how did your uh, education at Wesleyan influence the story and setting and everything? I
1: have read a lot of books.
0: Yeah. Uh, you're and smart. You're, and you're so smart about, about shit that it goes way over my head, like this Ovid shit.
1: I don't know what the hell it is. Oh, uh, that's not about being smart though. That's just about being exposed well, socially, to something. Did like, like the reason why I studied literature in school was not because I thought I'm going to make a career out of this. It was because you know what? A lot of these are really complex and super interesting books, but they would they're going to be really hard to read on my own. Okay. So being able to read really important books or really interesting books or really challenging books with the assistance of trained professionals okay. who then would force me to, you know, write an essay about this or explain to me how this story works or how this theme works in the story. It's basically some, it's narrative boot camp.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, not It's not applied, like I wasn't being asked to write fiction, but I was being asked to read great writing and really think about it hard and then defend my positions to my peers. Mm -hmm. So that was great. And having um, the weird little major I had also had a component of history, so we were reading books grouped by era um, and by culture. Uh, So it was really fun um, and everything was on a pass-fail basis, but you would get a written evaluation from the professor at the end of the semester. So you weren't working towards some random letter grade, you were working for the approval of of your so of your superiors. Yeah. So unless you wanted somebody who was obviously really wise and educated to be disappointed in you, it, be- it behooved <laughs> you to really pay attention. Um so that was great. And it it was an open enough university also that I could take a lot of random classes in other departments and sort of have them count towards my major or okay. do what I would with them. So I got to Jeez. you know take classes on like ancient Greek history. Why not? You know it was yeah. it was
0: wonderful. You got to, you got to spend what six months abroad in Paris too. Yeah. All results of Wesleyan. I should go to Wesleyan. Holy shit! I
1: spent a lot of time in museums. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, like
0: socially, like uh, like is there anything about your college experience that kind of informed uh, some of your like the right? Because you know the main character of Family Man is this academic, <laughs> an academic who's kind of wrestling with A miserable academic. Yeah.
1: Is there yeah. any reflection on that? I have a lot of friends who are getting their PhDs or who are in some form of grad school or who work in university administration now or are going to become professors and man, it is not easy. It's a lot like, well, it's not a lot like, but it's sort of a similar amount of stress to being in show business yeah. where there are a lot more people who want to do it than positions exist for. Yeah. So there's just a lot of competitiveness, a lot of working really hard for very little money. Um, It's you have to really want it. Like, that has to be the place for you in the world, or else what are you doing there? Mm -hmm. Um, And I identify with that as an artist. At the same time, as much as I loved school, as much as I loved learning and really... Loved my professors and respected people who would Want to make academia their thing Who would want to make learning be their permanent job mm-hmm. Um it was clearly Not the right thing for me okay. Like,
0: Well because Luther the main character in Family Man He's kind of the odd man out at the school I mean partially because he's Jewish and stuff like that But there is a weird well, no, that's, subtext of the comic That isn't where so much the someone... problem
1: as he He comes to um, Some unpopular conclusions Based on his own research And mm. he stands behind them And so he goes against sort of the the fashionable academic thought, and he pays a price where he gets kicked out of school. Uh Um, Basically, he writes an atheist thesis. Uh, And that doesn't go down so well in a society where the university is basically uh, an employee of the church and state. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So it is. it's, It's not that closely linked to your...
1: Well no Academic but I experience. I did I did definitely have a little bit of disillusionment about academia and about what it takes to be in academia yeah. and you know how how political it is internally and how hard you have to fight to get anywhere in it and how specialized everybody Seems is kind at of this point off. like like at this and point really
0: insular and kind of weird and Yeah there are yeah. a lot of
1: people who it's are it's own you know well my area of expertise is tapestries in Flanders between yeah. 1450 and 1575 We're like Everybody wow, exists
0: in this really I'm petri-ish. glad that
1: somebody knows that but Jeebus Jesus, um, yeah. and the stuff that I was interested in was overarching themes and connecting bits of information across Which is disciplines of storytelling. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm a beachcomber, okay. <laughs> not a treasure hunter. I really like walking down the shores and picking up all the shiny bits and then putting them in a basket together. And I got the word zany appeared in a lot of my evaluations that are like, well, Dylan wrote some crazy theses. Like I'm not so sure i i I'm not so sure she convinced me on this wacky idea she had, but it was fun to read the paper yeah so i it was just clear to me by the end that this i i was a little too goofy <laughs> for academia better off yeah i didn't yeah. have I didn't have that dogged attention span for other people's work yeah like i wanted I wanted to steal shit and make it mine. <laughs>
0: Uh, what's your next big comic project gonna be? Well, when's Family Man gonna end? Do you have any idea?
1: uh it depends on how fast I can. In the pages. next year or two?
0: Well, two years maybe, right?
1: Uh, we're I would say we're we're pa- we're past halfway done with the story at this point. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm trying to devote more and more time to Family Man, such as I can without going broke.
0: Yeah. Well, you're also starting to develop a couple other projects too, right? Indeed. Yes. Anything you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I have a complete middle reader graphic novel manuscript that's just waiting for Percy Jackson and the Olympian stuff to die down.
0: It kind of has. Maybe that took off in the literary world, but, like, uh, I'm no a, one likes those movies or anything like that.
1: Given it a couple uh, more years.
0: Percy Jackson has not enthrall the public, let's put it that way. Oh, the books are super popular. Maybe
1: scholastic reading groups, maybe, some hmm. of them, a couple of years ago, yes. Hmm. See, that's the problem, those are the people who be publishing it. But, uh, no, uh, so I have a script that that's, that's it's in the trunk, I'll get to it eventually. Oh, it's get about Greek it. mythology. Yes, yeah. and it's it's a little more silly than family But men, it's so. a young
0: adult, uh This is well, this is a manuscript for a comic, yes. though, teens, it's not just a book. Teens in ancient Greece. Dylan does write prose and poetry and stuff like that, but we, we're talking about comic projects, it's though. That's true. What else? Uh in more? terms of
1: in terms of comics. Yeah. Oof. Ah, Family Man takes up a lot of my brain space. It's kinda hard okay, to that think. Is kind of the it's kinda of hard to think about doing another book. I have a premise for a book that I think would be really fun. Oh, I'm, a premise book, yeah. No, no, I've got a premise for a, a graphic novel too, but I don't know if I want to draw it. I think it would be a fun excuse what? to work with somebody else. Talk about that off here. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Secret mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh but no, I have a short story I wanna do too. So I, there's always stuff I want to get to. It's just a matter of time. Hmm, okay.
0: Uh we have some questions. Uh, yeah, uh, reader, uh, listener, Jen Mott uh, wants to know what's up with Ariana's choker.
1: Mm, spoiler.
0: Oh, so it's gonna be that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I can shoot these things down. I'm so sorry to everybody who's uh, sending questions that I'm just gonna be like, mm, can't tell you. Yeah, Luther's
0: uh, girlfriend Ariana, who's kind of like the co-main character of the story. Yes, uh, she wears. She's uh, the other protagonist. There's been some attention paid to this little choker thing she wears. So yeah, it's got time a little. Time. It's
1: got a little leather thong on her neck that sometimes is there and sometimes isn't. Uh, I would tell you pay attention when she's wearing it. Okay. Uh, but that'll actually come up in the next few pages. Okay, okay. I know what that. This one. Yeah, It'll okay. be mentioned.
0: Uh, will we ever see Lucian or Luther's family again? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we haven't seen Lucian in forever. Well,
1: that's because he's out of town.
0: Uh, Lucian is another character from uh, fa- uh, from Bite Me. Mm-hmm. He was one of the head vampire characters. Yep. And he shows up in Family Man, and he's got a slight aversion to sunlight, but it's never explicitly yeah, no, stated that he's a vampire really, or anything. He really doesn't suddenly turn it. into a bat and fly
1: away or nope. anything like that. No, he just uh, he wears a lot of black, and he's a nice guy. He?
0: Yeah, he's a vampire character, but he's not like oh whoa is me. He's just like hanging out and. I don't
1: know, but one of the things I like about the, the story is that I can have stuff going on that I'm just I'll never get around to, and I don't feel any need to. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, you'll see Lucian again. Uh, you'll see Luther's family again. Okay. Don't
0: worry. Uh reader, I, I like those guys too much. To reader Crookshanks asks. Uh creative influences on the comic, books, movies, mythology.
1: Oh, so many. So yeah, many. Big
0: ones. Well I guess uh, academ- we already talked about uh your uh academic History yeah, but
1: I loved public. a lot of historical fiction Like um, Umberto Eco's book Name of the Rose was something that I really loved As a teenager Did you always
0: get that t- uh, confused with Woody Allen's and the Purple Rose from Cairo?
1: They're very different things what's,
0: um, what's Umberto Eco's Name of the Rose about?
1: Um, it is a murder mystery Set in a monastery A medieval monastery
0: I've heard that a lot. That sounds boring as hell. No, it's great. But I've heard people talk about that book a whole lot. It's, kind okay. of, it's actually
1: kind of a thriller. Um,
0: Azumbu- Azumbu- was, Echo. Was, Is he dead? Is no. he? Oh, he's alive now. Okay.
1: He's not dead. He's Italian. Uh-huh. Uh, no, he. <laughs> they did a movie adaptation with Sean Connery. Wow. Well, well. uh, which was actually a great adaptation. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But I loved that book. Um, Uh, I uh, I guess
0: Greek mythology kind of turns into it Bite
1: Me sort of inadvertently Made me belatedly get an education In the 18th century and the Enlightenment Spending a semester in Paris was really interesting that way too Um, A couple of my close friends Studied in Germany So some of the stuff there became interesting to me I had heard a lot about the French Side of the Enlightenment Nothing about what was happening in Germany Turns Mm. out a ton (laughs)
0: uh, It Goethe. Goethe Goethe Good. Was he? Is is? Would he? Is he alive? Kicking around the Family Man universe?
1: Uh, I was reading no. about
0: him last week. He sounds awesome. I know about him because he gets mentioned. He uh, they talk, they talk about him in the Little woman and he sounds awesome. Yeah, you should have him show up in Family Man.
1: Uh-huh. I'm <laughs> uh huh. Just saying. Uh, just saying. no, I haven't read a ton of Goethe. Um, his. His, I, he would them. not have been well known by the time uh, during the time that um, Family Man is he was happening. Alive though,
0: but he wasn't known. Yeah, yeah
1: but his first big book, uh, The Sorrows of Young Werther, was I think in the mid 1770s. How do you know
0: that? You claim to know nothing about him. Then you're like, oh yeah, but his first book, blah blah blah. I haven't read a whole ton of him. That's crazy.
1: Um, um, yeah. Uh, in terms of art, though, uh, Carlos B. McNeil's Finder books, yeah, blew, blew my mind. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at Jen Manley Lee's art for Dicebox Box. Um, those were, those were a big deal for me. I really loved, I loved the combination of a decent amount of realism with just enough cartooniness to make people seem real and expressive. Kind of pop
0: off the page, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and seem... It's heightened reality. Yeah, it's like, it's about the same level as almost the, like the Hernandez, like Jaime Hernandez has almost the same thing too, where there's the slight cartooniness makes them more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like the problem I have with a lot of contemporary superhero comics is that everybody is drawn in this very photorealistic way and it makes it harder to get invested in them. It's a little it's everybody almost the same weight. It's the almost same... the uncanny valley factor. Where yeah. you're just like, you know, you're drawn a little too specifically for me to really, you know, put myself into this world. So I really love that intermediate ground. And my default setting is not drawing as realistically as I do in Family Man. I mm-hmm. I think I'm much more a cartoony, designy type person... In my jeans, but I kind of forced myself to learn how to draw in a more elaborate fashion.
0: I also love that you're learning how to draw. Well, you've learned how to draw backgrounds with this comic because yep. there, there were backgrounds and stuff and bite me, but you kind of glossed yeah. over them. With this yeah, one, you really doing, had to draw. If, if you had to draw sp- sprawling moonlit country towns, if you're
1: drawing a period yeah. piece and you're serious about it, you got to have some set pieces in there. So well, one of the things with uh, last time you were in
0: England, you went to Manchester to take a lot of photos of, mm-hmm, like, of
1: the the library. That's a big thing in family man i had found photos of it originally in a book on the world's most beautiful libraries mm. and i started using it as a model for the library that's in family man mm-hmm. and then i got to visit the actual place so that's pretty cool is that also the
0: same place where they filmed harry potter at uh, no i think there was something about like one of the places they filmed harry potter at you went and took some photos uh
1: one of the dining halls in oxford Oh,
0: that's what it was okay yeah. yes
1: Although in Harry Potter, they um, computer-generate it to look bigger. Yeah, they like, lengthened <laughs> it and doubled the width
0: of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they
1: made it humongoid.
0: Um, so
1: yeah, those are some influences. Book, in terms of prose and stories, but yeah, too many. Too many to tell.
0: Let's see. Uh, we have a reader <laughs> named Mitchie who asks, Is there any chance you might put up the occasional funny strip about your life, work, etc., like the funny doodles you did when you came over to the UK... And we're stuck at the airport for two days. Oh God! But well, was... that was a trip you went to Manchester, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, w- I went and visited my grandmother who was spending the summer in London. Um, God, that sucked. Uh, yeah. That was
0: loopy as shit, though. That was hilarious to see. I was stuck in O'Hare for like
1: 20 hours, and I just became more and more psychotic as time went. Because I was totally alone. My cell phone died. Yeah. It was just me in this post-apocalyptic airport scape.
0: It sucked. We're um, doing just like the, the doodling pages, uh, doodling pages, and taking photos with your laptop
1: camera. What, are the, what the hell? How the hell are you recording? No, I had a camera with me. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it you was... were updating the what? That was fucking hilarious. Oh, uh, it
1: was the worst. Terrible yeah, for you, I had my for... laptop with Wi-Fi, so I put mm-hmm. it like, yeah, no. So it's just a picture of me slowly losing my brains in O'Hare. do well, um, you think you might might
0: do some more autobio just like that's what happened like our friend Lucy Nisley she does a lot of autobio stuff where she just went on a trip uh, on a boat cruise that sounded horrifying with her grandparents <laughs> she's in lamb. the middle of drawing a 75 page long comic about her horrific experiences on this fucked up cruise liner yeah uh, will you do more stuff like that well no you're what am i saying you're doing one right now you uh uh, just took a trip to Hawaii a couple weeks ago. I did
1: it was the best. And you were in the middle
0: of uh, turning that into a little comic.
1: Indeed, yeah. And if by little you mean like over a hundred pages, yeah. No, I, I had a totally uh. fantastic trip, and I am a total dweeb for plants and animals, and I'd never been anywhere tropical. Mm-hmm. So basically, well, yeah. You're from Seattle, so yeah. You know, like, it was a solid week of me just flipping out and going, <laughs> "Oh my God, it's a gecko!" Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I brought brought along a sketchbook just as, you know, something to do to make myself loosen up, to draw some silly drawings of me looking bug-eyed staring at animals. Uh, And it turned out to be really fun. I'm still finishing it up. It was great. So yeah, I, that will become available and that's why are you lighting matches, Bill? A candle. I'm going to light. Bill's trying to burn the place down. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, that so that was super fun. It's really fun to just do goofy little cartoons. Um I also did a little visual journal of a trip I took to a dog show recently. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. The Rose
1: City Classic Dog Show, aka the best thing about January. Uh where I went with, uh, with my wife and a couple of friends, and it was the best
0: as usual. It is nice to see you doing little, uh, just off the cuff, auto bio stuff, though. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's fun. I, yeah. I there was a while there, I my brain was not in a good place, and I just felt pretty convinced that the world did not need to hear from me personally. Like
0: everyone else in the world who I love and cherish on this planet, uh, yeah, uh, Dylan is sometimes has
1: a sad brain. <laughs>
0: Which is probably the reason why I love you so much, but yeah. yeah so yeah,
1: yeah, it's hard when you're when you're in a place where you're just not feeling good about <laughs> about existing. To then be like, yeah, hey, I had a cup of coffee. Well, you should for chemical imbalances. You should care. Yeah. Um, and there's so many people who do just wonderful, funny, insightful, silly Autobio that it was kind of hard for me to. You know, feel like the world needed anymore yeah. Um, and you know, when you Sometimes it's nice to have a personal life That people don't know anything about Like, I I no. enjoy being a little little bit mysterious at times Uh, so But, uh, it turns out That a lot of therapy and a prescription for sertraline And a trip to Hawaii
0: That Hawaii uh, trip
1: are really really good things for your mental outlook. So, yeah, um, you got to go scuba diving, and then make a comic about going scuba diving. I didn't diving. go scuba diving. I was just snorkeling, but it snorkeling. was totally awesome. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so yeah, I recorded a lot of the silly and wonderful things that happened to me there. Uh, and the dog show stuff will be... Uh, I believe it should be going up in the Portland Mercury sometime in the next year. So oh, okay. if you're a local reader, it'll be... You'll get to see my drawings of uh, ridiculous dogs, and there are yet more ridiculous people. So yes, there will be funny doodles again very soon, Um, and I am happy to be doing it again.
0: It Uh, it feels
1: nice to be Happy Dylan.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it's like to be Happy Bill. I'm just always Grumpy (laughs) I'm glad you have a Happy Dylan to be Dylan. Um, Someone asks, uh, they... uh, on your journal, when you came back from your break, you mentioned that you'd gotten married. I did. Well, I am, of course, dying to hear the story about that. I understand that if uh, if it's on the line of being too personal. So instead, I will ask if the wedding and the marriage, the change in the definition of the relationship, and any... Pr- sorry this is just yeah my brain's not working uh so instead i will ask if the wedding and marriage the change in the definition of the relationship and any practical changes in the relationship that have resulted have changed how you're looking at or planning this story assuming they're talking about family men right how you understand any of the characters and where they've been or where they're going
1: wow that's a deep question yeah uh, yeah, I did get married. It was great. You got
0: yeah uh, September.
1: Mm-hmm. Wasn't it just a couple days ago
0: your 6 month anniversary? Yeah, it's like of couple course, days. because uh, Dylan is living in Portland, Oregon. Technically, it's more—it's not a paper marriage. It's we're gonna have a ceremony and get married regardless of what the state thinks about it. Yeah, but
1: the heck with what they yeah. think.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no, we—you could scamper across the state line to Washington and get papers if uh, you wanted they're to. They're not
1: but... doing that quite yet. Oh, they're we'll not. Got a few months. Is for... that later
0: on in the summer? Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: We'll do that. It'll be fun to get paper married in my hometown. So, in the eyes of of, uh, God and
0: all your friends, you're married. It's just according to the IRS, you're not.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's fine. We probably wouldn't file together anyway because my wife isn't a freelancer. So, unless I wanted to pay way more taxes. Yeah, no, I got married, and it was it was absolutely wonderful. I was even though I was in a tough brain space, it was just a great event. It was wonderful to have all of our friends and family. Dylan there.
0: and her wife Katie got married on the hottest day of the year. Hmm. There was a cardboard Tardis, a cardboard Riker.
1: Picard. There was a Ron Weasley and a Ron Weasley. Yeah, uh, there at, was the a cer- rece- at the reception, they weren't yeah. they weren't invited to the ceremony. The
0: ceremony. Well, you did this uh, small ceremony at your church. with yeah, some Yeah, uh, it, it
1: was just immediate family.
0: And uh, but the reception, you uh, reenacted the ceremony with pirates and time travelers, and yeah, and you, I it wrote was a, pretty amazing entertainment. at I wrote, the reception. A, I wrote
1: a skit for those who had not gotten to go to the ceremony. Yeah. Technically,
0: it was, it's up on YouTube. If yeah, if you look at uh, Bill Mudrin's YouTube account, it yeah. will be up there. We yeah. had audience
1: cue cards for things yeah. like make a ray gun noise. It was it was really fun. Yeah. We we had a very silly good time. But yeah,
0: has that influenced uh, anything in the comic yet?
1: Um, well, not, not
0: directly. I'm sure that would change your whole perception of relationships after I, a while.
1: But. I really appreciate having Katie around to talk about the story with. Yeah. Um, because she has a different perspective from mine or from yours, Bill. I talk to Bill about this story a lot, too.
0: Yeah. Every um, Friday, uh, we're talking about Family Man and, and Nintendo stuff. So. Yeah,
1: I'm lucky enough to have a wife who's who's really thoughtful about narrative mm-hmm. um, and who <laughs> feels free to be honest with me if she's like, that. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'll make. Well, she's now. not a quote unquote
0: creative retard like us. Like where she doesn't have like a comic or a. She's not writing a book, although she does. Uh, have she has a theater the background. The work made for hire. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's she's creative in a different way. That's she doesn't have a web comic. She's not producing mm-hmm. something weekly, but she Thank does have God. A, yeah. like creative with a capital C, where it's you know something you could easily see. Mm-hmm. But she does manage a website called uh, Work Made for Hire, which is uh, advice for freelancers, legal advice.
1: How to negotiate how to tough negotiate situations, a like how that. to think about the work. So you're she's doing. definitely,
0: she understands what's going on with you and. Yeah, and she's and stuff just started like
1: consulting too and being a consulting attorney for creative folks who need a contract read or who want yeah. advice on how to deal with a situation. So she's, she's very thoughtful about these issues of creativity and how to make a project work. Um, so having that has been just super wonderful. It's also nice if I'm going to stay up late coloring to have. Somebody make dinner. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty rad, I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, best wife ever. Um, and I don't know if if wedding and marriage have changed how I think about relationships in the story. It's certainly been interesting to me to, to, for me to think about the various people in this story and the different way they view partnership and what the purpose of it is.
0: Yeah, okay, I could see that.
1: Um, you know, you have Luther's parents who are kind of a mystery to their kids. Like, how do they work? Um, what... What originally drove them to each other, and how have they navigated all these difficult things, and yet they're still together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, uh, mild spoilers, Ariana's parents, who are not that way. Uh, and then, you know, you have this burgeoning relationship between Lucifer and Ariana, and it, it's not clear what it what that relationship is. Yeah. Like, whether it's just a liaison where it, you know they make out and then they have some really good conversations or is there something more going on and the two characters aren't really on the same page about it yet yeah. so it's I enjoy the benefits of a good relationship and that makes bad relationships uh safely interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not You have to do more research about bad relationships than you have to do about
1: oh, good. everybody what, everybody's you know? had bad relationships. But I but I'm not I'm not unloading or nor am I pining for anything. So it's okay. it's really nice to get to look at these things from a from a place of safety. And yeah, I mean I would I would hope that everybody gets to have a totally great marriage like mine. So Good luck, my characters. <laughs> uh, when...
0: <laughs> Jesus, uh, when does Zombie Spinoza gonna show up in the comic?
1: Yeah, any any time.
0: What the hell is Spinoza? Spinoza gets referenced a couple times in the comics. I've heard the name before. Why is Spinoza important?
1: Uh, Spinoza was a philosopher. Okay. Um, he was. He's an
0: ancient Greek philosopher.
1: No, he grew up in. He's Am- from
0: Dutchland. I'm
1: gonna throw. Have you. He's a 17th century philosopher. Oh, okay. um, he grew up in Amsterdam as part of the... oh, so yeah, wasn't wrong. He's no, not right. uh, He was part of the uh, Portuguese Jewish immigrant community um, because of uh, political changes in Portugal and Spain. A lot of the Jews fled, um, and a bunch of them ended up in the Northlands. Um, so there are a lot of like Swedish Portuguese Jews. And Technically, like. that ties into my
0: Nintendo history book because Portuguese uh, sailors from the 1600s uh they brought uh trading cards to japan yes.
1: well portugal used to be a very big and very important empire not no more anyway about spinoza keep on going yeah so he was um he was part of the very insular jewish community there and uh he started to think outside the box and basically ended up getting excommunicated from the jewish community for oh, okay for uh you know learning latin interacting with gentiles and then finally one of his young friends was like hey spinoza teacher's pet uh but do you really believe in the scriptures? Do you literally believe in them? And he was like, "Well, if you're going to ask, no." Okay. And he basically got kicked out. But uh, was sort of famously uh, un unfluffed by it all. Okay. He had a real reputation for being just kind of unfazable. And there's he just did what there's he a did there's nice day record day. where he's like, "Okay, if that's the way you want to have it, I guess I'll go do something else." Okay. Um. So he ended up becoming um. Hmm. Uh, a philosopher to make to hold down the rent he uh was a lens grinder so he made a lot of optical lenses and apparently he was really good at it hmm. um uh, various scientists of the era had his lenses recommended to them It's pretty cool um yeah for, m- for microscopes and telescopes Spenover. and plus isn't it a lovely metaphor a philosopher who grinds optical lenses
0: yeah
1: uh it's but yeah if somebody wrote that you wouldn't believe it um <laughs> But he was a pretty radical guy. He wrote a lot of almost math-like documents, sort of logically arguing for the points he believed in. And he was what we call a pantheist, where he believed that there is no outside creator entity God. There's no God the Father. there's There's no deity. But the entire universe, all of reality, is God. Um, and everything is just that material in different combinations doing different things. So, there is no God that could say, love you.
0: There's not a conscious God, yeah. The, yeah, but there's it's... no,
1: there's no God sitting there going, ah, I hear your prayers and But the there's a force them. of
0: the universe that kind of... Yeah, well, yeah. the
1: universe is its own force. And yeah. there are different, ver- there are different phases and levels of that material, but it's basically all, it's all one thing. Everything is God, Pan, Theos, all God. Okay. Um, and uh, I like this one was a guy? Yeah, yeah, so his famous phrase was "God" or "nature." Uh, and he just dropped that into the middle of a sentence, and everybody freaked the fuck out. So definitely not not somebody who believed in God as a kind of monarch, um, which when you're living in a monarchic society, it's not super violent. Yeah, I can see why that's
0: because you know what? Get like yeah because the king derives his power from God, yeah. and if you're saying that God is not what you think it is, yeah. then, yeah,
1: yeah, he was offered a couple of lecture posts, but when he got once he got famous, but he turned them all down because apparently he just he wanted to remain independent. He like ate the same thing. Every he didn't day. get martyred or anything. No, he actually, and this too is hideously poetic. Uh, he died of lung problems related to inhaling glass dust from being a lens grinder. Oh. Yep. Yep. Uh, But his stuff was really controversial, and he was, you know, derided both for being a Jew, even though he technically wasn't really a Jew anymore, Mm. and he was derided for being an atheist, even though he didn't think of himself as an atheist. Not an atheist in
0: the way that they're thinking, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he really got it both ways. (laughs) And he's gonna show up as a
0: zombie in this comic Yeah, so
1: as kind of, as a philosopher with a lot of split heritage and, um... Luther, he, he's the philosopher that my main character, Luther, is obsessed with, a hundred yeah, years but after the Luther fact. being
0: a Jew and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, so he sense, writes you
1: know. his thesis in defense of Spinoza, and this causes a big problem, because even a hundred years later, Spinoza was still a pretty... Oh, yeah, that's... Controversial figure, even in the middle of the Enlightenment, when people were starting to really fight against the structure of the church and the state.
0: Well, Luther's kind of in the wild in that school, too. It's not like he's just, like...
1: Yeah, that might be better accepted at a more
0: centralized place of learning.
1: Well, Gottingen was a very centralized place of learning. It was actually one of the more progressive... The universe. what? Gottingen? That's the school he graduates from, or oh, fails okay. to graduate from. It was actually one of the more progressive, and it was a very new university. And newsflash
0: you know what but i we and think... i suggested we we're going to do this this podcast you're like what are we gonna talk about family man there's nothing <laughs> to talk about anyway go ahead i'm
1: sitting here talking about the structure of german universities in the 18th century if anybody is still listening god bless guys, you guys
0: Ma- uh, mass effect next week it's okay yeah it's okay
1: a lot of the things a lot of the ways that um universities are organized today in the yeah. united states in particular um is really comes out of the universities in the German speaking countries oh, at this really? time. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Why Germany? Like why 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 was that an influence?
1: Uh, Protestant Reformation. Um, mm. Because universities used to be basically monasteries yeah. that were very nepotistic. Um, that you basically took on the robe orders like you would yeah. as a monk. Like so, it was very much a closed system that wasn't so much dedicated to research and new understanding as it was to being sort of self sustaining. And, you know, producing more academics. But then it it started to become... largely because of Protestantism and because of the many, many different nation-states in Germany at the time, started to become sort of an engine of state prosperity. So suddenly it was about getting tuition and about having lecturers who could really pack the seats and about being able to boast, oh, our, our guys are contributing the most to the new fields of knowledge. We're...
0: Okay. So you're, you're actually, like, yeah, these schools actually started becoming schools as we know them rather than just being, like, these little pocket-sized
1: yeah, rather than being basically a variant on priesthood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, that unfortunately meant that some forms of intellectual inquiry were edged out, while, yeah. while others were brought to the fore, like medicine as a serious academic discipline was becoming a really big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so hmm.
1: something's won, something's lost out. But if you have a university that's basically a tool of the state and whose job it is to turn out doctors and lawyers and members of the clergy... It's pretty hard if somebody's sitting there making a big fuss over a purely academic point that's very anti-establishment.
0: Yeah, because so you're not you're not necessarily contributing to society. You're yeah, just kinda... I
1: mean if you're super famous and people will attend your lectures and pay for it, you yeah. can kind of get away with it. But if you're
0: it. just a guy by himself, just like yelling at the wall, essentially, but if you're about uh, some academic if you're half
1: Jewish grad student number thirty two B, and you piss off your academic supervisor, goodbye. You're kind of yourself. <laughs> Go
0: home. Um. Would you finish 2 pages a week if you could? How much kicks Oh, how much kick would we readers need to start uh-huh. to make that happen? I would
1: totally do 2 pages a week if I could. From experience, I say it's a, it's tough.
0: <laughs> Just even if you had all the free time and you were being paid to do it, it would
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I could do it. But How it many would hours be goes into
0: a, a page a week? You would say? Uh, um, it depends
1: on the complexity of the page. I would say like anywhere. a dozen hours. Mm, yeah, that's at the far end for a really really complicated page that has a lot okay. of complex backgrounds and where the coloring is really tough. So like and there six, a ton to, of figures, six
0: to twelve maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. So it's uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time. I guess you did that twenty four hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, it, it would be a full-time job. I yeah. could totally do it, but it would be a full-time job. And I wouldn't have as much time left to self-promote. Yeah. Um, I guess that's
0: the other part of this. Yeah, like, you, all your work on the comic isn't actually just how much time do you spend drawing, but yeah. writing, self-promotion. And I don't do nearly
1: as much as I should or as most people do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and as for you know Kickstarter, I, I feel very uncomfortable asking for money purely to support me while I do a thing. Like that. Well, that, if
0: people would have to get something in return or something.
1: Well, like sure, that, yeah. they, they get content or whatever, but for me, that's kind of a gray area. Um, mm-hmm. Or that to me, that's not what internet fundraising is for. For me, internet fundraising says, Hey guys, here's this wacky thing. I'd love to get off the ground, but I can't do it without your help. Whereas, in this case... Man.
0: You don't want to do the thing everyone pay me, like, like $15,000 and I could just work on my webcomic full time for a year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't feel comfortable. Because there's
0: yet. nothing like no one's really every, everyone's essentially just giving you money for free and there's no yeah, people aren't really paying for anything. Other than the vague notion that you don't have to work out your day job for the
1: yeah. yeah, if I mean if you which
0: there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I could see some people would be more comfortable with that. No, but else.
1: I don't feel I don't feel comfortable making that some sort of contractual understanding between me and my readership because yeah. you know what? What if I get an amazing job offer tomorrow? Like, hey, Dylan, come storyboard a Pixar yeah. movie. Or, but I could see if if you hey, didn't have a to... book contract, I don't want to suddenly suddenly be like, hey, everybody gave me fifteen thousand dollars. Um, never mind. But I could see if you had <laughs> a, if, if
0: you had like a boxed package of products if you like, you could kickstart something for that, and you know, oh, if yeah. you have extra funds left over from that, that I am
1: happy. I am happy to sell you guys stuff. Yeah. Um. And if you, if you as a reader really want to contribute to me being able to spend more time on Family Man instead of on doing graphics for Nike, uh, please buy a book, buy books for your friends, or uh, I have a donation page now, so you yeah. can go to the website, click on donate.
0: Lutherlevy.com or Dylan McConus. Yeah, and you right can so send early. me some money. That money,
1: after, you know, trans. Fees for the transaction That money goes straight to me And I use it for you know exotic things like buying sandwiches And Dylan does not spend the money and, on anything um,
0: At least we, if, if I were to start a Kickstarter People would completely be, be completely justified In wondering how much is that going into bill Buying a new Xbox Whereas uh. <laughs> with so Dylan that's going straight to her Bank account that is her spending money On the electric bill that runs her centique, That gets the computer done That yeah. does pay for her sandwich that it's, she's eating while she's drawing family, It's true man. that
1: I You have,
0: are a little squirrel just like just, just, just saving up for winter always. I don't
1: feel that way because Erica's even better than I am. I oh, know. know. Well,
0: Erica's yeah. crazy about it's that.
1: True. But yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I my boots have had a giant hole in them this entire winter because I'm too cheap to buy another pair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that really makes a huge difference. To me says Maybe, the like, girl
0: just came back from Hawaii. Yes. Oh, boo, boo, boo. Well, hey, the
1: nice thing is that I'm related to and/or married people with real jobs. I know. I'm
0: just teasing you. I know. I'm just messing with you. Like, yeah. I am a very that, that was like a belated wedding gift from your friend, yes, parents. Yes,
1: I yeah. am a very very lucky person that I have people who are able to offer me financial support in my life, but. um... Self sufficiency is a really big deal as an artist. Yeah, you're not relying on anyone to get by. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you really want to contribute and help me out, help me focus more on the comic. Those I see every single one of those donations. Uh, All those books that you buy make. If you visit me at a convention, convention cash is a huge uh income source for me when i go to a con that's a big deal well defray to... so
0: much of the the cost investment into getting to that con or buying a table at the con
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so that like it really does make a huge difference it's, it's not like buying a book a mass market paperback on amazon at a discount uh, no. that's all all the profit is mine all the dozens of dollars of profit um, so that stuff makes a huge difference, and I thank you, thank you so much, everybody who's donated or bought a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I promise volume two won't be too far behind. Yeah. Getting to it as fast as I can.
0: Um, how does Jacob feel about grandchildren? Huh. Jacob being the father of the heroine Ariana from *Famous*, Yes,
1: Man. he is the, the rector, the guy who runs the university. How does he feel about grandchildren? Wow. I think he tries not to even think about that topic.
0: Ariana's kids. Yeah. He's, is he trying to hook Ariana up with anybody in particular
1: or anything like that? what i'm just staring at bill okay (laughs) no i can't say okay Okay. Uh, part of the comic is finding out what the hell is going on with that that, essentially the
0: answer that is spoilers
1: yes Uh, yes but how does he feel about grandchildren he'd probably be a pretty good grandfather yeah who who
0: doesn't want to have grandkids eventually as long as you know like whoever their kid is dating is, is relatively not stupid
1: yeah. yeah, He's not opposed to the concept yeah, But he, uh, he has about two seconds To think about anything <laughs> So that is not He's high up on his list of about. things yeah.
0: uh, Might we uh, Could we see more of Familian Waldstadt It feels like there's a whole tiny world out there to explore
1: Yeah so the university is in a town uh, A small town In the
0: middle of nowhere yeah. um, I see that's not a real town Famillion No problems. it is not How it's does not it pronounce
1: uh, you'd have to ask somebody who speaks better German than I do.
0: Familienwaldstadt. Uh, I'm Hungarian! I should almost kind of know some of this. No,
1: it's not genetic, Bill. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little university town, and there had said it used to be, um, a Roman legionary fort when Marcus Aurelius was pushing troops towards the Czech Republic, okay. towards, the mon- towards the modern modern-day Czech Republic. Uh, it apparently used to be a church town as well, because the library is a big converted cathedral, it used to be a seat of political power because there's a big mansion on campus that used to be a baronial mansion, and now it's a university.
0: Yeah, the town's got a real history to it. Maybe.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's clearly a place that's been through a bunch of phases, and there are some hints also that it was something before the Romans showed up, too. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see a little bit more of the town. Um, not a whole ton, though, because uh, the real action is the difference between the university and the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the town... The town, the town operates more like a a character from my past plot in this story than it does one of the most active settings. But you'll hear a little bit more about how people in the town used to interact with a particular culture. And, yeah, that becomes a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, one of the things is Luther lives in the university, and he's a typical he's a typical gown in the town versus gown thing, where you can be really oblivious of the place where your school is. Mm-hmm. Um and that, town
0: versus gown. I've never yeah, heard that before. Town
1: and gown relationship. totally
0: makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. And every college has a very fraught relationship with its location. Even colleges where the town is all about the college and they love it. There, there's, I can still be
0: some tension there. Though. Mm, there's yeah. always a source of conflict. Well, there. the town and the school could have two different, even the best relationships. They have kind of two different agendas. Mm, you know, exactly. they're have so, to look out for it themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: and a lot of the money will be in the town too. A lot of the services. Yeah, a little bit wrestling. A lot of over the services resources. that support the university are there. Um, yeah. So yeah, you'll see a little bit more of it. You'll see a few more people from the town, uh, but not a whole ton of time because I want to focus on you know the super important. When
0: I went to story. clown school. There was a lot of problems with that because it was right outside of Detroit,
1: yes, right true. when Detroit was
0: going to the toilet. Uh-huh. they putting all the money during the crack epidemic. They, they thought, yeah, they thought it was either they could spend all the money on fighting the crack epidemic or this clown school, and they put all the money into the clown school. Oh, wrong and way! Look, look what happened to Detroit. I can understand. I'm <laughs> like, look at me being a world famous clown right now. Okay, oh, you read the last question because I'm terrible at reading questions.
1: Oh, this didn't actually turn into a question because we tried to submit it. Didn't submit a oh, question. So- Uh, I think it's sort of a question about, um, I, like a year or two ago, I, I posted just being kind of a little heart sick because I was having a real creative block where I'd had, I'd had a few projects fall through that had looked really promising. I had some things that I really wanted to do that I just couldn't get to in time or couldn't complete. Uh It was just, it was a really frustrating time for me because it's a tough time to be a creative person my brain wasn't helping me out and then well, I was having a happen recession of...
0: happened money
1: wasn't get, like, yeah, yeah. there's was a
0: couple things going on I had come
1: on. up with a bunch of projects where I was like come on this totally has commercial appeal I came up with this so it would have commercial appeal and well, people would be like yes this is totally sellable oh but you, never mind well, you've
0: got this thing where most of your biggest projects have been personal projects you're mm. not a commercial artist per se mm. you work at Periscope with a lot of commercial artists and comic creators and stuff so
1: yeah I stepped I stepped, between... I stepped out onto the ledge and I, I did some projects or I proposed some projects that i thought had a fairly good shot and they did but they still didn't make it so i was really i was really frustrated by that and i didn't feel like anybody was advocating for me and it was just it was just kind of a crummy position to be in and it was really it's really hard to feel connected to storytelling and to imaginary people when you just feel that crappy
0: yeah
1: it's not something you can write through or that, you know, normally for me, creative stuff is totally a, a, a way of venting off that pressure. But when,
0: yeah, there's, when there's angst coming from how your creative life is coming, yeah, yeah then it's like running. Run it's then? like running
1: to the fire escape, but the window's been glued shut, and you're like, yeah. well, what the fuck do I do now? So it was really, it was really not fun, and I think honestly that's something that virtually every creative person runs into at some point, where yeah. stuff just isn't working out, and it's just not coming to you naturally because you're trying to force it so hard that it just loses all of its. Yeah.
0: Although you had the bad luck of, like I said, going to bat when the recession was going on, there wasn't a lot yeah. of money being thrown at any stuff like that, yeah. which is why I want to, uh, I, I, I want to try to push you towards. Kind of trying to put some more of that stuff out there again this year. Not to say the hmm. economy is like a hell of a lot better, but at least I think things are kind of stabilizing. It's a little bit easier for someone with the niche uh, creative projects to get that stuff off the ground. Yeah. Whereas, like, before, like, two or three years ago, at the height when things, were recession really started kicking off, mm. that was, yeah, that was well, just bad it's timing.
1: The creative industries there are virtually all going through a big shift right now as new distribution. Well, that's the other thing, too, out.
0: because, like, if you're t- trying to talk to publishers about getting your why young adult novel published, mm-hmm. and, yeah, no, publishing's getting weirded out with, like, ebooks and shit like that, mm. this is also weird transitionary time. Yeah.
1: Nobody yeah. knows what's going on. Um, so. so you can have worse, worse things to do than to just hunker down and produce more work and, you know, I've had I have had really dear friends get get the book contract, and then it didn't work out. Like, yeah, the the book didn't sell well because the publisher didn't promote it at all. Or Scott so, McCloud spent no... two
0: years working on a Twilight, not a graphic novel. <laughs> it just got canceled. I felt so bad. For I think him.
1: everybody's freaking out a little because there is no golden ticket anymore. Like, oh yeah, no- yeah,
0: there's no one guaranteed way to success as a comics creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So that's been that's been frustrating to see live out. I mean, the nice thing is that I. I have my own little independent career yeah. um, and I'm, you know, trying to look at working with a publisher with an editor more is about building relationships <laughs> than about having that be, you know, where I build my house. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a really weird time to be trying to make a living as a creative person. You can do
0: it, but you're going to get bumped around a lot though. But
1: yeah. The, the nice thing is that I just emotionally am in kind of a better place. So it's a lot easier for me now to take solace in creative stuff and to get lost in it. Um, and this past summer, I just took. I was just so sick at heart. I just basically dropped off the face of the internet, and just locked myself in a room at the public library and forced myself um, to do outlining for Family Man. And oh, it was grim. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was. Well, really, we talk a lot during that. Yeah. It was
1: really hard, and I, I. There was a lot of tough work going well, on there. But you man, I am freaking in... out
0: because you weren't producing pages every week, so it didn't yeah. feel like you were being productive but yeah. then you were taking time off to do some writing and it, like yeah, yeah it you was were a... working on the comic but not in the way that you you were used to so you had a yeah. hard time convincing yourself that you were actually getting it it was an done. exercise
1: in the value of stepping away so yeah. that is what i did and i came back feeling much better yeah
0: you did get a lot of work done it just you went a little stir crazy because you didn't think you were but yeah. yeah
1: but it was good because i just kind of uh, you know left <laughs> I left all the all the pressured and timed Which... stuff and I left the social marketplace and I just sort of I just yeah. spent time with the people who existed for me in the real world and it was really good to just sort of help that calm me down yeah like I was, get, I was getting at a point where somebody would put a cute drawing up on Tumblr and it would just murder me. Because I'd be like, X has fun drawing and draws so good. What's wrong with me? I'm going to draw I 12 suck. hours my web that
0: no one likes.
1: Yeah, she drew a chinchilla wearing pants. Yeah. My life
0: is meaningless. Why doesn't <laughs> it help that you come over and hang out with me and I'm like, I've drawn my Mushroom Kingdom map that I'm going to sell for a bazillion dollars and not really make a ton of money, but for a freelance artist it's
1: kind of a decent amount of money. Oh my God! No, that oh didn't... my God! My Nintendo book. I don't have any problem with any of the people who I know personally because. Oh, it's just because I know that you're all fuck ups and. <laughs> <laughs> But no, on the internet, you're not ev- wrong. Yeah. Everybody, well, everybody who's being a professional puts their best face forward. So it's really yeah. hard to just be hit with the constant onslaught of doing great new book out on Friday. Yeah. Come Whoa. to my book signing, where you're just like, I want to.
0: Got see. optioned by Cartoon Network. I want to barf. JJ Abrams.
1: That was just a little hard to face when you're in a crummy place. But I feel a lot better now. So yeah, stories. I'm having fun with them. Like now, now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, "What if X were related to Y, and then well, that would also, explain Z?" And that's kinda, fun. You can kind of
0: start seeing the 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 light at the end of the tunnel in, t- front, in terms of Family Man. Mm-hmm. You're getting towards the back end of that story, mm-hmm. which you've been working on for most of your twenties. Yeah, I'm
1: which... not. I'm not so worried about screwing it up horribly anymore.
0: Yeah,
1: it Yay. just it's just pretty
0: much just ending the story now. <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing with the story? Oh my god. So yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about, Family Man? Oh uh, yeah, there's t- two more questions. Yay! Hey. From Katie, one of which, yeah, Uh, if you were to recast the comic with dinosaurs, which character would be the uh, which dinosaur and why?
1: I do not know enough about dinosaurs to answer that question. You know, like, you know, you talk about the one with the little spiny plates, with the little club tail. I'm very fond of the brachiosaurus.
0: Oh, that's the Brontosaurus with the weird crest. Yes. The head, yeah. The
1: Apatosaurus with the weird crest, you mean? Shut up. I know that much. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I know which dinosaurs don't exist anymore. Triceratops doesn't exist anymore. What do you mean? Yeah. Is he not called Triceratops? No, it turns out that it's a juvenile of another dinosaur. Oh! The the pterosaur. Oh, Triceratops. Oh, I'm thinking a pterodactyl. No, no. Really? Those are are fine. A pterosaur. Yeah. I'll have to look up on that. I think you
0: might be. No.
1: I'm not messing with re- you. I am and not. As much frightened. as I'm saying,
0: I think you might be wrong. As I refuse to accept it. Aww. <laughs> I, you are Spinoza telling me that God is nature. I don't want. What the fuck? Uh,
1: well, uh, let's just go ahead and say that Ariana is an a because she's tall. She's yeah, got she a long is tall. Neck. Um, and uh, what's what's goofy enough to be Luther?
0: He'd be, like, one of those, like, little half-chicken velociraptors. She's just kind of scurrying around, trying to keep from getting squished by everyone else.
1: Yeah. are yeah, they self-exist. He's ar- ar-
0: ar- 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 Whatever the hell that is. Archaeopteryx, With the little the feathers. Fuck, <laughs> Don't
1: you dare start.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you uh, actually pronounced that correctly. How the... Jesus. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's call uh, Jacob Nolte is a T-Rex.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Big What's uh, Ariana's mom?
1: Lumbering. Uh, oh no, you know what? She, she would I definitely, she was, she's, she's, she's the Velociraptor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She knows how to open doors. Skulking through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah to Ariana's heart. You'll find out more about that character. <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Cause she's, she's pretty intense.
0: Uh, was this, uh, Rachel who asked, all right then, I am intrigued by her mother's people are all women.
1: No, oh, that's Lisa Jonte.
0: Oh, Lisa Jonte. Uh, she's asking about, uh, the protagonist Ariana, Her family's her mother's tribe is like
1: spoilers.
0: What? Yeah. What which is a spoiler? Did I say spoiler? No. Okay.
1: Uh Lisa, thank you. I'm I encourage you to ask questions. I can't tell you. You'll find out. Is
0: gender grouping a general a local lycanthropic trait? Yeah, that is that's all spoiler stuff.
1: Yep, sorry. That's there's
0: a bunch of women who just showed up in the comic and it is yeah. Yeah. They're they're gonna that's turn, part know.
1: of the point of what's coming up.
0: Uh they're founding their own competing clown school right outside yes.
1: of them. <laughs> Oh, Ladies Only Clown School. Stevo
0: is coming to teach at this clown school. Yeah. Time traveling Steve O from uh from the future. Yeah. Um is that it? Is that everything we have for Family Name? Yeah,
1: that's all yeah. I got. Yeah.
0: Uh, we talked for over two hours, about
1: family. Man. Wow, we're not
0: about an hour and a half. Yeah, gotta
1: cut that shit down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so tired now. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we there was something to
0: actually talk about. It wasn't yeah. all just
1: bullshit. Thanks for listening to people who are still listening. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Dylan McConus. You can find Dylan McConus at com.
0: M-E-C-O-N-I-S. Yeah, I'm going
1: to be relaunching the site soon, too. So. Oh,
0: are you are in the middle of the redesign?
1: I am. Oh, okay.
0: And uh, uh, her comic, Family Man, can be found at uh, lutherlevy.com. Uh, yeah, or
1: you Or you, you can... just
0: Google Family Man. Yeah, it'll uh, Or, yeah. And I have uh, a brand let's...
1: new comment section. Ooh! Yeah, she just
0: launched it last night, so you could actually comment directly to each page, which uh, Dylan did not have a centralized feedback system for the comic, but now Intentionally for
1: a long time But now I do So take advantage of it Don't be a jerk
0: um,
1: Is Bite Me still up online? Yeah yeah. BiteMeComic.com
0: Yeah BiteMeComic.com uh, Go to any of those websites To check out stuff If you want to donate yep. Or buy anything from me, And
1: uh, I will be at the Emerald City Comic Con At the end of March
0: You don't have just books though You have all kinds of crazy prints And buttons and stickers And stuff too Yeah I too. got some
1: cool pennants I've got a brand new sticker That I'll be debuting at Emerald City That says my other car is a student loan Yeah You have
0: an Etsy store too right? So if you want a little... Yeah, little trinkets. You my don't have to, You don't have
1: to throw it out for like
0: a $20 book. There's other trick. Yeah, Dylan, she knows what she's doing. She's, she's a smart lady. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Dylan McConus the Family Man, and this has been the Boy Howdy Podcast. Uh... We are at boyhowdy.org. Uh, we... As of this week, we are now officially on iTunes. If you want to subscribe to the Boy Howdy Podcast, just look for the Boy Howdy Podcast on the Google... Or no, on the mm-hmm. iTunes store, and we'll come up and just subscribe there. And, uh... Uh, we're going to be updating on Saturday mornings. That's our new schedule. Uh, and schedule. Sh- 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 schedule. L- lieutenants. Yes. Um, and, yeah, uh, we're going to come back next week with our big Mass Effect 3 spoiler cast. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Up where the smoke is all billowed and curled Between pavement
1: and stars Is the chimney sweep world When there's hardly no day, nor hardly no night. There's things off in shadow and off way in light. On the rooftops of London.